You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 591. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door. With your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 26th of October, 2023. An off-duty pilot in the cockpit jump seat tries to crash a commercial flight. And an Indigo Airbus returns to Singapore because it was carrying the previous flight's luggage. Also ahead, more news and your feedback. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 591 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation, 92.3 FM in New York City. I did that all by heart. (laughs) Ah, Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's the view from our side of the cockpit door. Of course, Radio Roger already told you that. We are an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining me today from her lakeside studio in Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper. It's Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. And I just want to state for the record, I think you nailed it. It's perfect. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Here, wait. I can uh, do that. Do you have a... There we go. Yes. Just the two of us us today and uh, producer Liz is here, but we're going to get through some really good news stories and some of your feedback as well. Looking forward to it. Yep. Liz is here making sure that we... Ow. Sorry. uh, Get the whole thing straight. And uh, and we're going to do the best we can so we don't get hit by the old whip. All right. And uh, speaking of the whip, <laughs> from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, retired financier and aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer, it's the lovely Liz Piper. Here I am with my whip at the ready. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. It's going to be one of those. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Good show you too. Stings a little bit. Thanks. It does sting, but after a while, you just get used to it. Used yes. to the pain. All right. Let's do some aviation news. Stand by for news. Well, I'm sure you've all heard the news about the. Uh, off-duty Alaska Air uh, pilot jump-seating on a Horizon Air flight 
from Seattle to, I believe, San Francisco. Correct. And, uh, Everett, actually. Everett. Oh, Everett. Okay. Everett. Oh, he was going to Everett? No, Everett to San Francisco. Oh, Everett to San Francisco. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah, now we got all that straight. Uh, we do have a video, and I'm going to go ahead and see what we have here. I have not listened to it yet, but it's from our friends at Bass Aviation, Real Aviation Communications, and the audio here from liveatc.net. Horizon Air, uh, E-175LR, performing flight 2059 from Seattle. Huh? Oh, to San Francisco. Yeah, Hello. Just... Hello. I apologize. <laughs> Okay, what's going on? Okay, I'll just uh, give you a heads up. We've got the uh, guy that tried to shut the engines down uh, out of the cockpit. Um, and he uh, doesn't sound like he's causing any issue in the back right now. I, I think he's the dude. Other than that, uh, yeah, we want law enforcement as soon as we get on the ground and park. Horizon Air 2059, Roger. You can contact that point on a first now on 118.1. One, one, and uh, point of approach is 2059, 1,600, uh, rather 16,500 for 10,000. Information Quebec. President 2059, Portland Approach, Portland Tower 2990, expect Island Friendly 28 left approach, to maintain 8,000. Okay, down to 8,000 and ILS 3 left, thanks. He's not happy. Horizon 2059, turn right, heading 100. When you have a moment, what is your uh, gate that you're parking at? And do you need uh, local law enforcement to show up? Yes, we need law enforcement 100, and we don't know the gate yet. Horizon 2059, Roger. Uh, when do you find out, let me know, please. Yes, we'll do. Present 2059, turn left heading 010. Left heading 010, right, 2059. Oh, is that a different voice? Yeah, or is this the like first it. voice that's like just happier now? <laughs> uh, either he's happier or it's a different voice. It's, I think it's a different voice. I think it's a different voice. Yeah. I think the, uh, the first voice uh, probably had plans in San Francisco, and <laughs> now they've all been spoiled. <laughs> I'm just guessing. Present 2059, this will be a vector to final approach course. San Francisco. <laughs> vector to final approach course, right, 2059. Uh, what uh, is the threat level? The threat, the threat is now in the back of the airplane, uh, so we're, we're reduced on the threat level. Uh, I'm, uh, we're going to check in with the flight attendant to make sure everything is running smoothly, but it seems like he settled down as soon as he, uh, after one moment of going uh, a little bit overboard, uh, we put him in the back. So. Roger, 2059, Roger. Just as we can report this, what was the highest level that uh, occurred? Wow. So, okay, I, like, I have to interrupt here because when I was when I heard these uh, this conversation, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm not sure I know exactly what what. Con <laughs> one. Yeah. We have to do these like every every recurrent training or every other recurrent training and go over all the different threat levels and all the different things. And, and, you know, we have guidance in our, our um, flight operations manual that tells us exactly what threat level and everything else. But if somebody it's like just a numerical the, scale. Yes, it's, it's like, a numerical yeah, 
It's a number. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm glad nobody ever asks me that because I'm not sure. I'm like this guy here. He's probably going, I don't. Do you remember what threat level? We got a good show title, threat level 591. 591. Is that like a reference to a movie or something? That's the show number. That's our show number. Oh, threat level 591. It's been a long long afternoon for Jeff. I do too. Yeah, that might be the winner already. Yeah, Yeah, I think we might. Show title in the first seven minutes. That's awesome. Liz loves it. By the way, I all boxes. Yeah. Ding. Uh, ding. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Let me see here. There we go. Threat level 591. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm not saying that they don't know their threat levels here. Well, I'm just a little bit distracted. But I'm just putting myself in their shoes and I'm thinking this is what I would do. I would like, well, it's not as high as it was before. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of talk around it. Like, well, it was this. This is what Joe. was happening, and this is what's happening, and like we think it's better now, but <laughs> I mean, Joe, just to have the law. Have you gotten? Have you figured there. out what the <laughs> what's the what's the bottom line? We want law enforcement there. Meet this. Actually, meet ask us the, at the guy gate. in the back what he thought. <laughs> yeah, ask that guy that tried to kill yeah. everybody. Uh, what threat level was what that? The, um, what, did, what threat level did you achieve? <laughs> well, yeah, what threat level were you hoping for? Yeah. Okay, let's uh, continue. I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of this whole thing. This is a very serious situation. Here we go. Escalated to a four. Uh, for his, his oh, but he's out of the car right now. Roger, top y'all, horizon they, 2059. They found the reference. Horizon 2059, when you get the gate number, we'll uh, coordinate that as well. Thank you. Uh, we're at uh, spot nine now. Yeah. Is that Bravo nine or Charlie nine? Uh, Charlie. Uh, I guess, yeah, Charlie nine. Oh, no, Bravo nine. Present 2059, turn left heading 340, descend to maintain 5,000. 340, 5,000. Present 2059, contact approach 126.9. 269. Okay, is there really any yeah, I think reason for us to continue with this? That's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. No, but we Good. can... Bring people up to speed who may not have been following any of this news. Um, a little bit more Were you living under a rock? Yeah, maybe. Um, but there's so some details there in there, the charging document. Yeah, there's a we have in the same article here, there's the whole uh, uh, complaint uh, basically about what happened. But the, the summary version is uh, this guy who was a jump seater, as Captain Jeff was saying, basically um, at some point during their flight, I guess not very far out of Seattle, um, decided that he should reach up and pull the fire handles for the engines. So Good idea. Uh, yeah, not a good idea because what happens, no. Captain Jeff, if you pull those fire handles? Well, when you pull those fire handles, Dr. Steph, um, actually in this case, they are... Um, these are they, pull and twist. Yeah, they, well, they, they actually, most of these fire handles are like that. But this mm-hmm. the thing that is different about these that I've never seen before is that they kind of rotate like 90 degrees from their flush position. And I think, Liz, do you have an image of those... Yes, uh, handles there, um, fire handles. Um, here we go. And, uh, so you like, you grab onto the, let's say number one and you pull it down. And so it rotates about 90 degrees. And then I, I'm not sure if you pull even further or if just the going from zero to 90 degrees is what activates. I think I read somewhere that at about 80, 81% of the travel, um, is when it starts getting a little bit harder to kind of make that last 
10 degrees or whatever. Um, resistance like? Yeah, there's some resistance there just to make sure that you didn't accidentally like grab the handle to like get right, yourself up out of the seat yeah, or like, something like did that. You, did you mean to pull this handle? <laughs> yeah. Because when you continue to pull it the rest of the way, you're going to effectively right. shut down the engine. It basically shuts down fuel and mm-hmm. uh, fuel for sure, probably in a couple of different places. And this depends on the airplane. I've flown airplanes in the past where it shuts off the fuel in a couple different places. It shuts down or shuts off hydraulics from that particular engine and uh, sometimes pneumatics as well. I'm not sure what the Embraer 175, uh, how, it, how it works. But essentially, you're using it to uh, in a situation where you have um, an engine fire and you want to shut the engine down completely and just isolate it as much and as you can. And have zero intention of restarting that engine by that point. Right. And then, but as long as in most cases, I think, as long as you haven't twisted that handle, uh, when you twist the handle, that's when you actually uh, puncture the uh, the squib for the, the uh, bottle fire bottle. And then, so the fire, like the fire agent, usually it's halogen. Uh, is it hal- um, halogen? halogen? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, halogen is a type of lighting. Um, but something else. Halogen? Is it? Don't ask me. Yeah, anyway, the whatever the fire. <laughs> Stop! Fire, let's just call it fire suppressant. Yeah, that stuff in there um, fills the halogen engine. Fire extinguishers. Yeah. What is it? Halon. Halon. Halon, that's it. See, I knew I knew halogen wasn't right. Halon, there we go. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Brad. Haven't seen you in a while. Hope you're doing well. So, yeah. So that's what, and once that happens, then you're not going to probably get that engine restarted. But... I think up until that point, you can probably, and I, I guess uh, if our um, audience out there, if you're qualified on the E-175, you Captain, can let us know. Uh, Captain um, Craig Pisek probably was. Yeah, but he's not listening right now, obviously. Oh, but uh, yeah. Now. Anyway, yeah. Captain Captain Pisek, uh, if you're listening uh, after the fact, Um yeah, I twist and shout, I hold boxes. That's what the, the Beatles song was about. Yeah. <laughs> twist and shout. Anyway, um, so that's the deal. So apparently, from what I can tell in the various um, interviews and news sources that we have regarding this, he got to his, I don't know how far he got. Uh, it, was it just his hand going up there and he had his hand? I don't think I've is, said, I don't think I've seen anything that clearly states how far he got with it, other than there was an attempt made by this jump seater to pull both of the fire handles. Right. So how far he got in that attempt, I haven't seen anything. I've also been like working a whole lot this week. So yeah. that may have been out there in the news, but I don't, I haven't seen anything that yeah, clearly I not says either. that. Uh, all I've seen is that he you know, like threw his headset off and said, this, this is, I am not okay. <laughs> yeah. Which, and then he grabs, you know, he puts his hand, uh, maybe in, in your peripheral vision, if you're captain first officer and you see your jump seater reaching up, yeah, you're going, uh, what, what are you doing? And then I guess the, it doesn't say at this point, it just says the pilot, um, monitoring. So I'm not sure whose leg this was, uh, grabbed the jump seaters arms or hands or forearms or whatever, and brought them down and try to, you know, make sure that he wasn't going to he do that. With and, uh, the first officer or the person, the pilot flying, um, Continued to fly, disconnected the autopilot, and and started coordinating for the divert into Portland. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, 
And it sounds um, like this flight started off okay with the jump seater. He was yeah. exchanging some pleasantries about the weather, the usual, you know, first time you're meeting someone Chit-chat. probably. Yeah, Chit-chat-y talking about airplanes. Stuff. Yeah, what do you fly? Airplanes, what, what do you fly? What company? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. And then at some point, What's your favorite things position? took a... That kind of thing. <laughs> It's a weird conversation that you usually start off with, Jeff. But and I mean, okay. like um, captain or first officer. <laughs> what did you think I meant? Uh, get your it's get ambiguous. your mind out of the gutter. Ambiguous. Um, <laughs> listen to any good podcasts lately? Yeah, so, listen to get any good aviation podcasts lately. But anyway, well, at some point, this yeah, took a okay. took a very weird turn where he decided he wasn't okay, decided to disrupt, tried to disrupt the flight in this manner, and then it came out that he he told officials after the fact that he had taken mushrooms and hadn't um, slept in 40 hours. and hadn't slept in a significant amount of time so as i hold boxes says there's a he's changed a movie quote on us it says joey <laughs> have you ever taken mushrooms and pulled the fire handles <laughs> thank you captain over we are making uh, light of this Let's we yes we should we, we should not be Tim making Van, light of Tim this Van Ram has a good question here i think that a lot of people are thinking um, about this. i don't know let me tell you what um, read the we have to read the question. I'm reading the question. Oh, yeah. I should read that. <laughs> Sorry. There's going to be a lot of editing of this segment when you do no, it in the audio. I'm just going to leave this all in. Okay. Tim Van Ram in our audience says, any chance this incident will result in new jump seat regulations from the FAA? And, excuse me, my tropical IPA is speaking. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I... I there's a very, very big um, jump seat lobby out there, uh, part of the Airline Pilots Association. There, I don't know what the what the uh, stats are, but there is a significant number of pilots who commute to and from work. And in a lot of cases, the jump seat is really the only way you can really get to where you need to be to start your trip. Not so critical ending your trip, although you'd like to get back to wherever you live and back to your family, that sort of thing, at the end of a trip. So I think that uh, the, the, I don't know. I don't think this is going to change anything, and here's why. Um, because this is, it's not that just anybody can sit in the jump seat anyway. These are qualified pilots. Um and who are already extensively background checked, screened, et cetera, et cetera. There is no way out there to possibly screen for any one individual at any time doing something illicit, illegal, something they're not supposed to be doing, having some sort of mental break. Uh, Those things can happen. You're never going to be able to screen for it. Um, And you can't, there's just no way that that's ever going to change how the system is set up for all the reasons that you said. You need to have that as... Uh, an option for commuters. You need to have it for line checks. You need to have it for FAA folks. You need to have it for, there's all kinds of reasons why there are still going to be people um, utilizing appropriately the jump seat on aircraft. And really it's no different than whoever the uh, trip is rostered with, you know, the pilot, uh, the, the captain and the first officer. I mean, it just so happened that this very highly qualified pilot uh, was off duty and traveling in the jump seat, but it was, well, you know, when you're in the, by the way, I should, uh, a lot of people say, oh man, that's so cool. You get to ride the jump seat. And then when you're really new, it is cool. But then after a while you go, I don't want to, 
I don't want to ride the jump seat because I want to go and see, even if I have to sit back in the back in the middle seat, at least I'm not up there in the cockpit. When you're in the cockpit and you're on the jump seat, even if, even if it's not your airline and you're off duty or whatever, you are still considered part of that crew. And so you still have the same responsibilities that they have. So I, I'd just as soon, you know, sit back in the back and in a middle seat and, you know, not have to worry about the operation of the flight, honestly. And I think most people, if you ask them, would, would say the same. So um, We have two pilots in the chat making comments here. Jeff. Okay, a couple of pilots in our live audience say, uh, this is from KFC, I think there will be a jump seater restraint jacket as standard now. Mm. And then uh, Brad. Brad, the Sultan of Wings, says, nah, I agree, this is an isolated insulin, in, <laughs> insulin. Uh, incident, but they may duct tape jump seaters until arriving at the gate. Hmm. <laughs> Although I, I watched something, um, I don't know, I, I just stumbled upon this YouTube video of a dude that had been uh, duct taped to a seat back, a chair back, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. know what the show was. I think it was, um, was it some sort of like Mythbusters type thing. Yeah, well, it was like uh, Rachel Ray or something. I don't know. And uh, he said, so you think that like I'm completely, you know, subdued and everything else. And he said, watch this. And he just kind of, he just went forward, like in just one Mm -hmm. fell swoop and the duct tape just tore completely. He was out just the one attempt to go move forward. So I don't know if that idea with the duct tape is going to, unless it's like special duct tape that they does do a good job of holding pool rafts together to make an inflatable boat to go down a rapid. I will give props to duct tape for that. (laughs) Yes. But, but not for the jump to seaters. A point here that's interesting that I think okay, Deanna in our chat room says if he has approved management before this and disclosed his depression. Reali- oh, I'm sorry. If he has a pr- approached management before this and disclosed his uh, depression, realistically, how easy would it have been for him to fly again? Oh, <laughs> well, they most airlines, all airlines probably have programs. Uh, that deal with these sorts of things. I mean, whether it's um, substance uh, addiction, substance abuse problems, or um, some kind of mental issues. And they're all, I would say, Dr. Steph, you'd probably agree, or maybe you can, you know, get into more detail. But they're all kind of the same sort of like that portion of your your health um, are um, that is being, there's something wrong. And we need to fix it uh, before we can give you the green light to get back in the airplane and, and fly passengers from here to there. Um, so, um, you know, I think we've talked about a lot of the, the mental health stuff kind of extensively and and um, substance abuse and, and all of those related things. And there are pathways forward. They're not easy pathways, no. um, which leads to this historical reluctance for people to disclose these concerns and issues but i think i I do think society our just our culture is changing in general on that i think that's going to be much more productive for people moving forward in terms of getting them the treatment they need to be healthy individuals and then allowing folks to safely return to their line of of work yeah so that's really the issue here the issue is that this person wasn't mentally where he should have been. Um, and now, regarding the whole uh, the comments that he made about um, taking mushrooms, and I think in some other interviews that um, we have 
information uh, about, I don't know if they're accurate or not. He says something like he took mushrooms 40 to 48 hours before and everything I've read, I don't know. I'm not an expert on psychedelics and mushrooms and that kind of thing. I will be soon after I'm retired. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> no, uh, no, you have to, you have to, maybe uh, captain of your RV. You can't be. Oh, that's right. Mushrooms. Anyway, mm-hmm. I hear that uh, the effects of these um, psychedelic mushrooms, magic mushrooms, or whatever you want to call them, um, only last like not not even twelve hours, like four to eight hours. My, or I, I'm hours not an expert. My understanding is, and I guess it varies highly on what substance you use. Um, uh, the only, I only know anecdotal things about this actually from a, a memoir that I was recently, uh, reading. So this is not health information. This is not condoning their use, but, um, folks who have used it with some sort of success or, or at least, um, perceived success, do it with medical guidance, trained guidance. You know, it's not something that you just pick up some local mushrooms and, see what happens type of a thing. There's no, <laughs> that's not a thing for treatment of depression or other, you know, mental health issues. Well, are you a spokesperson of big pharma, Dr. Steph? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, none, none of those comments I just made are any sort of uh, medical uh, endorsement. endorsement or or advice guidance. for uh, guidance, none of those things. Okay. So. I, I have no background or expertise in any of that. That's all I know just from anecdotal stuff that I've read very third hand. So. Now, he did make a comment that he hadn't had sleep in more than 40 hours. I will say I've had experience with a lack of sleep. In fact, that's one of one of the tools that, um, uh, let's say, if you are in a military organization and you're taken prisoner, <laughs> they will uh, right. utilize, they'll deprive you of, of sleep. And that is very powerful. You just hiccuped a bit there, Jeff. Did I? Oh no. A little bit, just a little bit. Liz, Liz says I was I, I hiccuped a little bit. I am hardwired again into my uh, machine. I don't Carry know why on. that is. I just wanted to know. Okay. Anywho, um, so that that is a very powerful um, has a very powerful powerful effect on your mental state, uh, lack of sleep, and I think that would be you know. Uh, the the whole thing about the mushrooms, you know, I'm thinking, eh, yeah, I think it's it was so long scary. before that point that um, uh, that this incident occurred that that he supposedly consumed uh, small amounts of magic mushrooms or whatever. But I just thought it was interesting that that was even part of the discussion here. So, um, and then uh, I think they interviewed some of his neighbors and said, I mean, I, you know, how can or people that knew him. You know, this guy's got a great family. You got, you know, he's. Uh, why would anybody, you know, throw your career down the tube? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to speak for everybody's individual lives. I mean, what may look like, you know, the old book. You know, the cover is a beautiful cover, and you start opening up the book and starting digging into the story, and then you realize that, ooh, I guess maybe things aren't as great as as we thought they were and uh, you know who knows what's going this on is, this is one of those things you're never going to be able to answer the why unless he can tell you the why and he right. might not even know himself mm-hmm. and you know i i feel i mean what happened was almost a catastrophic thing but now that the dust has settled on it i feel bad for him yeah you know i feel poorly that he wasn't able to recognize what was going on with him and not make the decision not to 
get in that jump seat that day, you know, do that. I'm safe checklist. I haven't slept in four days. I don't feel well from a, you know, uh, I feel depressed. I was trying to take substances to try to mitigate that in some way. Um, Maybe I should just stay home. Or yeah, go see well, my healthcare professional. It was just, and, you oh, know, I mean, before he even left for his Oh, trip. before, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. long before that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's where, that's where that whole series of chain of events really started. And it probably started well before that even, but in this particular instance, it could have been stopped at any one of those points along the way. Now, I may be reading something into this, but all of the um, reports that I've read so far is what he supposed, allegedly said to various uh, members of the crew and passengers and others, it almost seems to me like he was he wanted this to happen. And I've heard that mm. this is the case with people that um, have a like a drinking problem. They almost like are hoping that at some point help. somebody will they'll they'll get in trouble and somebody will pull them aside and 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 say, "Look, you have a problem and you need to fix this." Um, and uh, like he walked out, he wasn't fighting anybody. He wasn't, nope. you know, he, he basically said to the flight attendant, the flight attendant probably goes, what, what are you doing? Uh, you just need to put cuffs on me because it's going to get bad if you don't. And yeah, he, that's what it said in the uh, official complaint from the right. FBI he, he special agent. The door, didn't he? To yeah, he, yeah, Liz is saying, well, didn't he try to open up an emergency cabin door or something like that while they were still on flight? And of course, you know, we all know. That that's that, kind of a yeah. stupid thing to even attempt. But I'm thinking, I'm wondering if this is something like he's thinking, oh, I need to add some more stuff in here to give them more, more crazier, crazy things to, yeah. um, to, to uh, accuse me of. Um, and maybe this will all, you know, make sense in, in its mental derangement. And I don't know. So I, just the whole thing is very, very strange and definitely sad. Um, not in his right, not in his right mind, and very yeah, as Liz said, also very sad. Yeah. All right. Half an hour, Mark. Guys, half an hour. Okay, uh, and that was just the first item, and we've already oh, burned a half an hour of the show. Wow, and we're going to burn the next half hour here with this next edit, one. You're still going to edit some of that stuff out. <laughs> no, I'm not. If you're hearing me right now, my voice, I am not editing any of that out. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's continue with this next one uh, that occurred just a few days ago. Wednesday. I, uh, yeah, Wednesday. Maybe. Wednesday? Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday, Tuesday, October 20th. Or Tuesday, yeah. one of those days. Yep, yep. Tuesday. Uh, earlier this week, let's just say. Uh, in Houston, Houston Hobby Airport. Um, that's the airport that I've been flying in and out of mostly since I've been on the, uh, the, the new airplane, the Boeing 717. And uh, it's... Uh, it's it's kind of very similar to like Midway. It's uh, not got huge. Kind of like crossing runways, right? Yeah, like. crossing runways and not super long runways. And Southwest, uh, it's a, a Southwest Airlines um, hub. And um, it's a very busy airport. A string mm-hmm. of traffic coming in. And a lot and of leaving. GA traffic happening a lot, as well. A lot of GA traffic and a lot of uh, business jet traffic. Mm-hmm. And... Several FBOs there, fixed base operators, and uh, this incident occurred as I said. We said earlier this week, and uh, we believe the official statement uh, issued by the National Tra- or the FAA or the F- NTSB or maybe both say in their official um, statements that uh, one of these airplanes was uh, decided to take off, initiate their takeoff sequence without 
getting approval for that takeoff clearance. And uh, the and that's kind of redundant, isn't it? They, they didn't receive takeoff clearance. And there was another BizJet coming in on um, short final and on a crossing runway, 13 right. So the, the first aircraft is uh, runway 22. Apparently, now I tried to find the audio for the transmission to clearance. this uh, jet and what kind of clearance he received, whether it was a lineup and wait and then a takeoff clearance for runway 22 or if it were if it was just lineup and wait. Now the problem here with the um, audio using live ATC audio, liveatc.net is a godsend for aviation enthusiasts because we get to hear all these communications, but we need to make sure that you understand that this is not official. Uh, recordings of the uh, transmissions on on radio uh, because it usually involves uh, volunteers that have scanners set up and uh, in in certain locations they have multiple scanners and so they're only listening and recording audio on one particular communication channel. Uh, other times, like in this instance, you have a situation where somebody has set up a scanner. That is scanning multiple channels here at Houston Hobby. And the problem for us uh, listening to this is that the scanner doesn't always focus exactly on whatever frequency has the most pertinent information at the time. So in other words, there may have been a clearance to line up and wait or even a takeoff clearance there, but because another channel was transmitting at the same time, the scanner picked up that one and recorded it instead of the one that we really were hoping that we'd hear. So that's to say that I don't know. There official tapes for somewhere, right? Yeah, there there are official tapes. And the National Transportation Safety Board uh, that is investigating this incident, uh, which we're going to tell you about here in a second, you're going, what are you talking about? Um, uh, uh, They'll have the the tapes for each of the frequencies, the tower frequency, the approach frequency, the departure, you know, all these different frequencies, ground control. They're all separate recordings and they'll be all pristine where sometimes – because again, this is all volunteer. Uh, wherever the uh, the radio the, that's picking up these transmissions and recording it for us, uh, maybe not be ideally situated, and so you're not going to pick up everything. So, let's listen to some of the audio that we do have from this scanner at Houston Hobby Airport. And I'm going to start it at the point, again, as I mentioned, we don't know what the clearance was to 269 Alpha Alpha, the, um, the hawker, um, the, to you know whether they received a takeoff clearance or not. But at the same time, there was a citation, um, 510, I think, um, a 510 Mike Hotel. Uh, did I get that right? Or something like that. Yep. Anyway. Uh, hotel Mike. Sorry. Okay. Hotel Mike. Um, they're coming in. They left uh, Peachtree Cab, I think, uh, somewhere in the Atlanta area and flew all the way down to Houston. They're on final. So they're coming into land and the hawker is um, uh, on runway 22, the, the other runway, the crossing runway, and supposed to line up and wait, not roll for takeoff and the and I'm going to very I start with the very first thing when I push the play button you're going to hear something that I think may have been somebody I don't know who on the freaking on one of those three frequencies that this thing is recording um or scanning like almost uh, ooh like something something's wrong and then there's a little bit of gap 
and then the next transmission. And I cut that gap. There was a very long gap before anybody said anything. So here we go. That's what I'm talking about. Weird. Weird Okay, that was a Southwest flight. Right behind the one of the incident airplanes, the Citation. We just had a midair. We can't do that. You what? Yeah, somebody just, uh, you guys cleared somebody to take off or land, and we hit them on a departure. Yeah, I, I, you could almost call this a mid-ground, maybe not a mid-air. Yes, yeah, so you, you, you need to come back to the airport, you said, right? Yeah, immediately. Number nine alpha, alpha, turn right heading at 310. Right turn 310, Alpha, Alpha. Okay, Alpha, Alpha is the uh, hawker that uh, supposedly took off without clearance on runway 22 and hit the citation. Alpha 2214, cancel landing clearance and climbing maintain 3000, flying the heading. Turn right back around here until we find out what's going on. If I need you to the Vista aircraft, AR-21, are you on Kilo? I need you to go to the aircraft. It's at the taxiway Lima November intersection. He just got clipped by the other aircraft. I need you to go inspect that aircraft now. Number 510 Hotel Mike, how do you hold your position? the uh, incident aircraft. Hey, we need uh, somebody back um, at the uh, Kilo intersection out, Kilo intersection, uh, because we have a second aircraft, second aircraft involved in, in, in the incident in lane to ran on a landing one three right at this time. One vehicle with the aircraft that just went into Wilson Air, I need uh, another vehicle back over here at Kilo for the second aircraft involved. The aircraft is short final for CV Juliet Kilo now. Air 2 1 Hobby. That's fine, sir. Aircraft landing right now. The aircraft landing right now is the second emergency aircraft. We've got the third one airborne inbound. I don't know what they're talking about when they say third one. I think there's a lot of confusion here. SC6, permission to follow the aircraft. Air 2 1, follow that aircraft. 
They clipped each other. So uh, the, uh, the the hawker rolled down and basically left wing tip, winglet of the aircraft hit the tail of the Cessna Citation that had just landed. Get you back in there, maybe look at an alternate. It's going to be a few minutes if you want to go somewhere else. I can contact Houston Approach on 123.8, and uh, they'll let you know how long it's going to be. Yeah, all these airplanes out there, string of traffic coming into Hobby. As I said, it's a very busy place, and they're all being told, okay, well, you know, we can't take you right now. And so I'm sure everything is just going crazy right now and trying to coordinate where they're going to go with their companies. You say, Sonner, Alpha Alpha, hold your position. Fire safe, that's a term I've never heard. Everybody, home sort of when they see still be a couple moments, we're going to do our runway inspection and uh, check for debris. We'll get you guys out of here as soon as possible. Just stand by, please. Okay, Roger that. Um, number 269 Alpha Alpha Taxi via November Lima Juliet. Kilo, hold short, one, three, right. Happy to stop, please stop right now, please. When that's taxing down, Kilo needs to stop. That's one of the airport vehicles. This is not an alpha, alpha, you, uh, happy to are you guys with me? Okay, the alpha vehicle. Okay, okay, number two, 600 alpha, alpha, the alpha vehicle is actually need you to hold your position again. And go ahead and hold your position right there. Happy to that, please stop. Just stop it. Happy guys, that is citation or hacker? The aircraft on Type 2A November is a hawker. The aircraft which Wilson has a citation. Um, is there another vehicle to come out? We have a lot of debris in Type 2A in runway 13 right, runway 22 intersection. A lot of debris in the intersection. We need to get that cleaned up. We're not going to be able to clean that up. We're going to have to call space and we'll have to leave that. That's that. So the airfield is closed for now. Roger. So we're, we're showing the airfield closed. Airfield. Southwest Jet at the approach in 22. Are you with me? You guys heard that? Anybody looking to push? We're not pushing anybody. The airfield is closed. So you guys get up. Plan accordingly. Airfield is closed. It's going to be a while. You guys on the shores of runway 22. Apparently. The new information that I received is that the airport is closed as far as the uh, incident that just took place. So, uh, continue holding short. You guys need to go back to parking. That's fine. Let me know what you want to do. But it'll be a while before we get anybody out of your business. Yes, sir. Understood. We're stopping all aircraft. We're stopping all rivals. The airport is shut down at this time. We do need to get all the information from the other aircraft. We went to Wilson Air, the 510 Hotel Mike. That aircraft did not stop. It just went into the ramp on its own. So we need to get the information every day from that aircraft as well. Interesting. <laughs> so, okay, to give you a synopsis here, uh, the um, there was an airplane coming in for landing on 13 Right. 
um, 510 Hotel Mike. Hotel Mike, yep. And uh, that was the citation. And Lizzie, you can go ahead and put that up there. And here is a a picture of the aftermath, uh, the the tail um, fin of the citation, uh, pretty heavily Mm -hmm. damaged. And uh, the uh, Hawker, um, Raytheon Hawker, was the other jet involved. And uh, in this picture, you can see the left winglet is gone. And uh, or a significant chunk of that uh, is missing, and that is allegedly the aircraft that uh, was using runway two two and rolled for takeoff without receiving takeoff clearance, and the one that sounded like they were kind of perturbed when um, mm-hmm. Tower told them to fly a certain heading and maintain a certain altitude, and he said, you know, we just we just had a midair. Um, And the the point of this is that, you know, there are only, I think, three people on the Hawker jet and including the pilots and only five on the uh, Citation jet, including the pilots. Um, So I think that that's the reason why it's not getting a lot of news and airplay out there, because it wasn't two airliners that this happened to. But if it had been... These were were small airplanes, small uh, journalists would... um Identify these as small airplanes. Yes, small airplanes. Mm-hmm. Insignificant because there are mm-hmm. just a, only a couple of human lives involved. But anyway, what well, I'm trying to say here deal. is, is that the, th- this was so <laughs> – this is about as close as you could possibly get to two jets completely disintegrating each other. and oh, yeah. crashing into each other and eight people dying. And if it had been airliners, then just multiply that by mm-hmm. whatever factor you want to use. Um, so it's a very, very serious deal here. And uh, again, one of these, you know, we've been hearing a lot of these incidents lately with, you know, miscommunications and uh, human error and everything else. And if from on the on the uh, on the basis of what we know. So far, it seems that uh, it was just a matter of the pilot of uh, the Hawker jet or the pilots rolling for takeoff when they were not given clearance to do so. Again, we don't have that proof or whatever to, to say yay or that's nay. Just that's, the, that's just the report that we have. That's just the report. We don't we have, have the audio to know for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's scary. Um, you know, I try to use all available resources to me when I'm flying. I fly mostly at a small general aviation airport that does not have a lot of other traffic. It is not busy. A busy Saturday would be three other airplanes showing up at some point during the day, either to do some touch and goes or get fuel. Um, but there can actually be a fair amount of traffic just kind of in the area and crossing. Um, so I always fly with my ADSB receiver. I make sure that that's up in front of me. Of course, it's not, you can't rely on that 100%, but it's pretty good. Adds another level of awareness to what's going on, especially because as we're boarding our passengers, typically I'm facing away from the direction that I'm going to be taking off. And it's not a very long taxiway to that point. But as I'm sitting there, I can be kind of scanning that and seeing what's going on, making sure that there's nobody out there. I'm listening to the frequency. Hopefully, pick up on anything that anyone's saying if there's any other aircraft out there building that mental picture of the I want to have that whole mental picture of you know however small that mental picture might be I want to build it as robustly as possible 
at all times. Yeah. And especially if it's busy. Now, the, the recording that we were just listening to, um, I took several of the pauses out just for to uh, make it more um, efficient for the podcast. But you, you get an idea there. There's a lot going on at that that small airport. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sometimes easy for us to say, well, you just got to listen to everything and kind of build that mental sometimes picture and everything else. you can't else, listen but, to everything. But yeah, there, there's a lot of things happening in that particular airplane and their cockpit and they're running checklists. And everything. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. and that we don't hear. All we hear is a little bit between the pilots and the air traffic controllers. Um, but still, you have to be, you just have to force yourself to try to listen to as much as you can and, and absorb as much as you can. And I'll say the opposite. When you're in a really busy environment like this, your brain needs to prioritize what the immediate concerns are, the immediate threats. So you're at an airport with crossing runways and they're using the crossing runway for landings. That might be something to be very sure about. Yeah, and you're rolling for takeoff, assuming you, you the think that you know you have that? received the uh, the takeoff clearance. Yeah, you can go sure. ahead and throw that up there, uh, Liz. Oh, no, I didn't make Oh, okay, that's right, I have that. Oh, okay, you're right, I decided I was going to share that. Um, let me just do this. I'll uh, pull up My the... My boxes says, Captain Nick would say the pronunciation of Hawker was the problem. Hawker. Hawker. Yeah, no, I know. So it's nice is that... Uh, not. It's not nice that Captain Nick isn't here with us right now while we're recording, but it is whole... kind of nice not to be corrected by the mispronunciation of the... Uh, of Hawker. Of, the, of Hawker that we say here in the U.S. Now, you have to say, I guess its roots are um, British, so... Perhaps we should be saying Hawker, but uh, we're not because it just sounds funny um, to our American ears. Okay, so, uh, oh, uh, can you pop that? Um, it's up. Okay, uh, so here we go. Here's the uh, Houston Hobby layout. And uh, watch this. I'm going to do something fancy here. I'm going to go ahead and hit this, and I'm going to. Um, so, out here is where the uh, citation was coming in for landing on 1-3 right. And then I'm going to change the uh, color here to this color. And this over here at 2-2 is where – do you see that on uh, yeah. what it's, you're seeing on the screen? It's a little faint, but I can see it. And yeah, no, I, I'm drawing. trying to get yeah. it darker, but that's as dark yeah. as it goes. Um, excuse me. Um, the uh, So they were told to line up and wait, but they decided to go ahead and start their takeoff anyway. And, of course, this uh, citation is coming in on 1-3 right, and then right here in that area. So the citation is was just barely to just the past left, the intersection. past the intersection, not out of the way of that left wing winglet of the hawker. Right. So I would imagine right about where my little pen is right there is where this this collision took place mm-hmm. and uh and then of course the site uh, the uh, the hawk hawker continued taking off and then the um, interestingly the citation just rolled out and went to the fbo <laughs> yeah like, like nothing to see here yeah yeah that's that was str- i thought that was very strange Normally you would think, like like stop roll to the end of the runway and stop yeah and say hey someone just collided with us on the runway yeah, so this is the uh, citation kind of continued down, probably pulled off here on Lima, and then went to the Wilson ramp, which is right here, this FBO ramp. Okay. 
and that's where it parked. And then we saw that picture with the Cohens around the airplane. That's where that uh, that uh, Citation Mustang ended up. And then the uh, the uh, Hulker, uh, when it landed, it um, it landed on. It also came back around and landed on one three right as well. And then they kind of got off down here somewhere and then went around and then Kilo. And then that's when the uh, airport uh, ops vehicle was screaming and telling them to stop and all that. But they, they were heading up eventually over here to Singapore. Uh, Singapore. A, a signature. Signature. <laughs> Not Singapore. They're taking a long Nothing. taxi yeah. and a boat ride taxi. across the, <laughs> Very, from the and a boat. Yeah. From the south across yeah. the Pacific. <laughs> uh, don't, don't be so mean to me. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I tried and, to say, uh, what did I try to say earlier? I, uh, look at all the colorful yeah. scribblings I put That's on this amazing. thing. <laughs> you have a retirement career in like being a, well, the commentary folks for sports yeah. events, yeah. and you could like pull up the, the whole screen. The and, yeah. Now, I don't know if this is going to be an issue that I just highlighted here on the um, on the 10-9 uh, airport diagram page that mm, says, mm-hmm. aircraft and take opposition on runway 22, be alert. For possible radio interference or null on tower frequency, use upper antenna if so equipped. So Ooh. the radios in the aircraft, you usually have at least two. And one has, one of the antennas is usually on the top of the aircraft and one is on the bottom. How and about in a hawker, though? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the hawker is. not that is. tall of an airplane. Yeah. yeah. It be that different from the top to the So top. I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there because when I was looking at this, I'm thinking, oh. But there's, that's interesting. That's something that we, the reason why we review this airport diagram is to see all these little notes on here about, um, you know, restrictions that there, that, or risks or whatever that might be there. Good question from uh, KFC, good, make good winglets. I don't okay. think they did clear the debris before the one landed. Um, so sorry, KFC make good winglet says, did they manage to clear the debris of the runway off the runway before the hawker came back around to land? I'm gonna guess no, and they probably <laughs> didn't care so. at that point yeah. uh, for the hawker. Yeah, they wanted to land immediately. I tell you, based on that on the um, ATC live ATC net recordings, there was a lot of confusion going on there. Yeah, um, that I, obviously somebody made some kind of a quick transmission like at the time this collision occurred i'm assuming and then there was like a lot of silence as i mentioned before and i that i cut out before any transmission was made and so everybody i think was kind of aware or not everybody but there were several people aware but even in the tower itself you could tell that some of the transmissions that we heard it was like they didn't really have a clear understanding that this was not like the air rescue fire fighting equipment thought that there was this is the emergency aircraft the the citation and then they go nope you know you need to would stop doing that and go over there and because the other airplanes coming in for landing i don't think they mm-hmm. realized that there were two airplanes involved in this mm-hmm. and then the usual calm selves that we are used to hearing yeah yeah that's yeah. a good point liz is making that just not the usual calm demeanor that you normally hear in these situations you, you could almost hear a shakiness in their voice like uh, yeah. they were really really startled by this whole thing and you know obviously mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um but then there was that communication there made to somebody that's saying something about the third emergency aircraft yeah. i'm thinking well either there was some kind of an emergency that was happening before all this or just you know the old um confusion, confusion you know the, the telephone game or whatever you call that yeah. where you 
you know, you just it gets the the the, the message gets completely altered and and corrupted after it goes through several different channels. So that might be what was happening here. I don't know. Tim Van Ram says something here. Uh, let's see. Tim Van Ram and our live audience says, hope ATC managed to pass the phone number over frequency while so busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think in this case that they're worried too much about uh, getting that number to these uh, no, they, incident they know aircraft. No, the aircraft are. Yeah. So, wow. I mean... Yeah, that could have been, as I said, this could have been something that we'd be talking about as a huge tragedy. It's thank, thankfully nobody was injured in this, mm-hmm. uh, supposedly. This was very, 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 very close, close call. as very close, close call. as it can get. Yep. Okay, we're almost at the hour point. Uh, believe it or not, yeah, I think uh, maybe four, four two news items. Point, <laughs> yeah, two That's news. That's okay. Items. These were worth talking about. I know, and lot, I yeah. actually like it when we do this because it kind of gives you know more in-depth analysis. Is mm-hmm. I think Diamond. something that people enjoy hearing us uh, you know talk about. So I hope so. Yeah, and if not, yeah, there are a lot of other great aviation podcasts out there for you to listen to. <laughs> um. All right. Um, I'm going to skip to C and just give you a quick update on the, this, this is the incident involving the FedEx 757-200 at Chattanooga, Tennessee that had a hydraulic problem. And then uh, they had an unsafe gear indication and they had to do a full gear up landing on the uh, relatively short runway there at Chattanooga. And uh, the NTSB has released a preliminary report. Uh, Let's see. The uh, FedEx Flight 1376 uh, had experienced a failure with its left hydraulic system shortly after takeoff from Chattanooga. I've already mentioned that. Let me see. Let me roll down. They had uh, Initially, they had an indication of um, a trailing edge flap disagree. Uh, So that's the first indication that there's some kind of a hydraulic issue going on here. Um, so they were running that checklist. Uh, they also got the left hydraulic system pressure ICAST message, um, and then the left hydraulic system pressure. Um, let's see, no, that was what I just said. So they were running that checklist, and then uh, when they were out there getting all the vectors for landing, and they've already committed now that they're going to bring it back here, that not knowing that they're not going to be successful with the alternate gear extension procedure, uh, which they were not. Uh, so they ended up, um, you know, burning all the fuel and working the, uh, working out the problems and everything else and didn't divert to an airport that has a longer runway. And then basically they were kind of stuck there at Chattanooga committed. and yeah. yeah, they were committed. Thank you. And, uh, so they did the alternate gear extension procedure. They did not get the gear to extend. So let me see what the, uh, the uh, preliminary report here. There didn't they have something here talking about what? Uh, oh yeah, here we go. Um, the post. Oh, before I go to that, uh, after the airplane came to a complete stop, the flight crew performed the evacuation checklist. The jump seat occupant attempted to open the left-hand door, the L1 door. The door rotated halfway open and then became bound, and the slide did not deploy. And the jump seat occupant then attempted to open the right-hand door. Uh, R1 door, and it became lodged on the packing of the raft and slide, but the jump seat occupant subsequently forced the door the door open and the slide deployed. 
The flight crew and jump seat occupant then egressed the airplane via the R1 door slide. Very helpful. Yeah, this is (laughs) in uh, contrast to the unhelpful uh, jump seater. uh, This was a really helpful jump seater in this Mm -hmm. particular case. Um, And if you'll remember um, the uh, final resting uh, point of the um, uh, of the. Accident right. airplane, the uh, the nose, the part, the front part it's of the fuselage is quite high. So yeah. you know it was important that they had some kind of a you know a slide or something to help them uh, get out of the uh, front part of that airplane. So anyway, uh, so the uh, pre- preliminary report says post accident and examination of the airplane revealed that the left main landing gear door actuator retract port hose was leaking hydraulic fluid. The hose was removed and retained by the NTSB for further investigation. The examination also found a discontinuity in the wiring of the landing gear alternate extension system. Mm. The section of that wire was retained for further examination. Now, Miami Rick and I uh, did a special um, uh, one-on-one recording of uh, of this incident uh, before we knew any details of this. And one of the things that was mentioned was that... uh, uh, the Polish um, airline um, Lot L O T um, that uh, had a it was a seven sixty seven that landed gear up in uh, Warsaw, Poland, um, because there was some kind of a circuit breaker that was not uh, in the proper position. It was it was uh, open, and uh, that is required. That electrical signal and and uh, Miami Rick went into great detail that. You have even, you know, you have uh, remaining re- residual hydraulic fluid to alternate extend the, the the gear, but you must be able to get those doors open and out of the way for the gear to to fall and uh, extend altern- alternately, and it requires a an electrical signal, and we kind of thought about well, I'm wondering if you know they checked the circuit breaker and uh, I'm and we. And I said, well, uh, anybody that has any, you know, uh, idea of what has happened in the past, like that LOT, um, Polish airline uh, incident, that, you know, I'm sure that that would have been one of the first things that you would think about is checking for the uh, electrical circuit. But if it's in a wiring uh, harness or you can't find that, uh, yeah, <laughs> discontinuity in the, in the wiring. Yeah, yeah, that I, sounds like a sounds like something got frayed or chewed through or who knows yeah i mean it's like sounds like the way they describe it like discontinuity makes it sound like the and so the wire was not whole in some way maybe it could be like a, an actual physical break in the wire or perhaps or it, could it was be, just the wire did not conduct. for whatever reason there was a short or something like that in the system i don't know uh, mm-hmm. you know i'm not sure exactly what i mean that could mean a bunch of different things i think mm-hmm. uh so yeah, and there was uh, indicating to me that the crew didn't have any way to know um, that there was an issue with this uh, uh, the wiring system, the landing gear alternate extension system. It's like everything, you know, those darn, as we talk about all the time, those uh, Funyuns, you know, all lining up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just not your day. You know, you have a hydraulic uh, system leak and then, well, no oh, problem. The wire. We yeah. have the alternate extension system, but guess Except what? The wiring, <laughs> the wiring is discontinuous. Work. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, 
Yeah. Very interesting. More to, more to come with the final. More to come, yeah. That's just the preliminary report, and we'll, I'm sure, have a full-blown explanation of what or what they think happened here. All right. A few other items here in our news segment, but we're going to go ahead and skip it because we've uh, spent so much time on these three items. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, continue on then with uh, the best part of the show, which is getting to know you, getting to know us, actually. That time of the show where we uh, hear what's been happening with the the multitude of crew members we have available on today's show. Oh, wait, no, just Dr. Steph and I and our producer, Liz. But that's okay. That's that, The important people are here, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, and we heard uh, from Dr. Steph last week um, about her adventure as a, um, a boat captain. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, that was that was quite interesting. What has happened? Has anything happened as exciting as that? Since? No, not even captain. not even remotely as exciting as that. I have Aww. not been picked up as a boat captain for oh. any sort of mm, nautical company. <laughs> I don't. Alvin McLeod on the love. Boat. Yeah. How is that even possible? I don't know. I mean, people obviously they're just missing a great opportunity to exactly. hire me. So, um, I mean, I only fell out. I, I made it about halfway down the channel before I fell out. I thought that was pretty good. It's about fifty percent. Yeah, so, we we so always go for that here at APC. Fifty percent <laughs> no, of the crew members. There we go. Fifty percent yep. of the crew members stayed on the raft. That's right. Well, no, one hundred percent fell out. Oh, about fifty percent of the way down the. Eventually, yes, yes. Um, so, I mean, I guess I can understand why I don't have a new career as a boat mm. captain as of yet. Or a boat builder, for that matter. <laughs> no one will be hiring me for my uh, Navigator. my no. engineering skills. Um, no, nothing as, as exciting. Um, spent a, the, a lot of time in the air last weekend, but jumping, not flying. Oh. Um, there was a, in the world of skydiving, we call them boogies, where there's a get-together of of folks for various reasons. Um, this was the Sisters in Skydiving um, event. So it was Ladies Weekend. We included the guys, too, because we're charitable like that. Aww. We did make them wear wigs and tutus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what you all are wearing, right? Tutus? Yeah, wigs and tutus. Obviously, yeah. that's how we skydive. So there's no boogie um, man. Well, I guess there could have been a boogie man, but they're more likely boogie yeah. women. Yeah. It's just kind of like a festival where, you know, you have a lot of... Uh, folks come together on the same day to you get organizers there who do specific types of jumps and um, just a lot of uh, event type stuff happening. You know, we were on a weather hold and we played bingo and they had giveaways and prizes and things and, um, you know, some, some stuff you don't normally do organize. Um, There's always Mr. Potato Head jumps where someone holds the Mr. Potato Head and everyone on the jump is supposed to have their piece of the potato. And like, you know, while you're doing the skydive, complete Mr. Potato Head. You end up with some really funny looking Mr. Potato Heads because things don't end up in the right spot. Um, Hula hoop jumps. So two people hold the hula hoop and everyone else tries to make their way through the hula hoop. Um, Uh, I was thinking that maybe you're trying to actually do a hula hoop thing. How how would you (laughs) do that? That's impossible. Uh, Yeah. uh, No, no. Um, We tried to do that on the ground and it turns out none of us are really very good at that anymore. (laughs) I think you have to be Younger to be good yeah, at hula hooping, like, like twelve, yeah. Or 12, this is what Jeff yeah. would be wearing if he was skydiving. Oh, do we have something? Uh, Jeff would skydive in his <laughs> his uh, captain's. That's that's my favorite skydiving outfit, actually. 
right there. It's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, end of the day on Sunday with a, um, we got 12 people together in the air for a friend's 600th jump. So that was a lot wow. of fun. And it was right at sunset and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, How long have they been, they've been skydiving? Uh, a couple of years. I'm not sure. Less uh, For less time than me. But that's not uncommon. Seems like a lot of how many? What's the a, the average number of jumps per day to get up to six hundred? I mean, that's yes, like he jumps, a couple of days. He day. jumps a lot. Yeah. Wow. On the weekends, okay. for a couple of years. Yeah. Um. So we uh, we did that. I would say the winds were a little tricky all weekend. They were kind of strong at, um, not not so strong on the ground. Um, not so strong high. Um, like up at 14,000 feet, 13,000 feet, but right around 1,500 feet, 2,500 feet, 3,500 feet, pretty strong winds out of the north, um, which make planning your, um, you have to be just pretty conscientious about how you're planning your approach to land. So you want to make sure you're not getting too far downwind because then you may not make it back to your intended landing point. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, our hall box says it's the right time of a year of year for a boogie. It's Halloween oh, coming up I next week. For Halloween coming up. Yeah. Mm, we like clever. to boogie around though. Kind of a boogie crowd. Yeah. Um, boogie and other than that, I've just worked a whole lot, which no one really wants to hear about because it's really not interesting. No, we want to hear about that. I mean, you were having a frustrating phone call when we started. I ended my day, my work week, with a frustrating phone call with. Um, Everyone's favorite U.S. Um, health insurance companies. Oh, they're exciting to talk to. That would maybe make Not. me want to hang myself. It was, or take <laughs> mushrooms and or mushrooms. Do they help? No. Oh, they don't help. <laughs> they don't help. But <sighs> just know we're out here doing the good work for you, making sure you get what you need done for your health care. Thank you. Even if it takes hours. On behalf of everybody of my life. in the world. Thank you. Soul-sucking hours of my life. <laughs> Excuse me? No, I'm just kidding. Hours <laughs> she's never going to get back. Yeah, I'm never getting that time back, but it's important oh. work. I thought so. I heard you use some kind of a terrible word there. I said soul-sucking. Oh, that's what you said. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you heard. I don't know, hopefully, whatever you heard, our listeners what I did heard not was hear, different. but I said soul-sucking. the U-C-K part. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. I went, wow. I'm not wow, used to hearing that from Dr. Steph. Fruity language from Dr. Steph. <laughs> No, let's just say it's not my favorite part of the job. That's all. Yeah. We don't have that problem here. Yeah. All right. Okay, Jeff, what do you been oh, doing? Oh, my turn. All right. Guess Your what? Job. I've been doing been some singing. singing, of course. And uh, did that all last weekend. In fact, even today, I got to uh, sing at a funeral. I know you're going, what? You got to sing at a funeral? I mean, I had the opportunity to um, help send off this uh, fine gentleman. Um, into his next life, and um, anytime I have the opportunity to to sing at these things, as long as I don't know the person that has passed, or, it's your funeral. <laughs> or my funeral, yeah, I mean that would be, I don't know how I'd be able to Impossible. sing at my own funeral. That'd be kind of weird. But uh, pre-recording, yeah, Do pre-recorded. It. <laughs> Do I don't it. know. No, actually, this is amazing. Oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not do that. No, too um, morbid. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. but. Uh, Anyway, I, I, I was I, I've, I've shared this before with uh, with Liz. I think 
that uh, as long as I don't know the person uh, at a previous church uh, before I, um, well, anyway, long, long time ago, a couple of decades ago, I sang at a choir at a Lutheran church and one of the choir members passed away and they want, he wanted the choir to sing at his funeral. And, oh my gosh, I mean, I could not, I mean, when I get emotional, I can't speak, I can't sing, my vocal cords, you know, just freeze or whatever they do. I'm not sure what they do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm thinking. Did all uh, those other insensitive people sing right away? All those, un, yeah, all those other un, uh, in, insensitive people did sing, Liz, but apparently they're not affected the same way exactly. um, as I, that I am. But anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, did that today. And um, what else was I going to say? Anything else? I'm going to play Micah's. Uh, oh, yeah, we have to play this. This APG meetup uh, that they're calling, I don't know, uh, let's hear them uh, tell us what this is all about. Brian Coleman and Micah, uh, something about a meetup down in Largo, Florida. Hey, Captain Jeff, Dr. Steph, Miami Rick, if you're there, one never knows. Hey, Captain Nick and Nick Camacho. Hello, everybody, and hello, APG listeners. This is your main man, Micah. And you know, it's Halloween season, so Brian and I decided to do something really spooky. We're going to have a meetup. Yes, we're going to have a The Journey is a Reward meetup, but all APG listeners are invited, and that's going to take place in Tampa, Florida. And you know when that's going to happen? Why don't you tell them, Brian? It's Sunday, November 12th at 4 p.m., and we're meeting at Your Pizza Shop. It's not my pizza shop. It's the pizza shop called Your Pizza Shop, and it's located at 1200 8th Avenue in Largo. And the menu looks great, and they've got a wonderful selection of beers, and we're hoping that a bunch of listeners will join us here. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to get a chance to get together. And look, you guys, you're all invited. So, Jeff, you know, you're practically retired now. Why don't you fly down for the day? Yeah, fly down to Tampa and come visit with us. We'd love to see you there. Well, you know, I'd love to. I really would, except that I'll be in Annapolis that weekend watching the their football team uh, play. I think, no, it's the University of uh, oh. Alabama, Birmingham. They're playing okay. that weekend. So, um, but hey, if you're in the anywhere in the Tampa, Florida area, might want to go and check out uh, the uh, the journey is the reward. Uh, podcast meetup, and um, it's just easier to call it an APG meetup down there. Yeah. So yeah. Um, check it out and meet uh, Micah and Brian. Brian. So with Nick's absence, you're going to have to talk about the cover art, Jeff. Oh, okay. So uh, I have to talk about the cover art for the last episode. <laughs> I love this picture. So good. <laughs> Uh, so the, the title of our last episode, dim, but legal. And it now, came we were, from position lights. On yeah. We lights. were talking about lighting, uh, on aircraft. And I think we were talking about the position lights or navigation. Yeah. We were lights. talking about the nav lights yeah. and we were talking about how, uh, you know, some lights on aircraft are very bright, very easy to see, but sometimes the nav lights are kind of less visible or dim, mm-hmm. but still legal. And I think Liz at that point quipped, just like pilots. Yeah. Sounds like something that Liz would say. (laughs) And that became, yeah, uh, that became the uh, show title Mm -hmm. 
dim but legal. And of course, we're looking at these pilots that look definitely very dim. Do you see how the wings on the APG thing are, are pointing down? Yeah, uh, the uh, Lewis is pointing out that the wings on our APG logo, Acme Air logo uh, are are not even straight. They're looking kind of dim. I think that one pilot has a small booger in his nostril too. Yeah. Well, so we're going to talk about the 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 show uh, number. The show number. Yeah. And is that the show uh, number? Like tiny that, in there. Yeah. So I'm trying to find on the. the hang on. Let me. Uh, I got a. I got I mean, a I zoomed in that. version. That's too tiny. Here. Yeah. Let's see here. Let me see if I can. And find. my eyesight is good. Um, APG 590 is the title of the thing that I'm trying to locate here. Um, why can't I find it? Should be there. Oh, here it is. Okay. Share. Now, if you'll make that, um, present in the, uh, oh, video, sorry. Liz. Okay. Wrong one. There's yours. Okay. You got my version there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let me see if I can figure out how to do this. I'm going to zoom in by going like this. And we're going to start with uh, the right ear, right ear of this uh, very um, smart-looking gentleman. Um, right here, I don't know if you can see my little hand, the cursor there. It's not a five. That's a sideways five. It's laying on its, um, on its back. And uh, so here we go. I'm outlining the five. I mean, only if you have my handwriting would that be a five. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty pretty clear okay. five. And sure. uh, right here in the left eye of this gentleman nine. is the nine. Pretty sneaky. And then over here, as uh, Steph was mentioning, there's something in the uh, in the nostril. Of this guy, and that's as zoomed in as I can get it. Well, that's a zero, zero in there. In there. Um, now I looked. Now see if you don't see this too. Look here, the shadowing of this guy's right eye. Doesn't that kind of look like a five? Yeah, too? I thought, yeah. I thought that that's it where does, the five was. Didn't know where the nine was. You could almost make a nine out of this one over here yeah. too. But anyway, so I thought that was pretty clever of uh, Captain uh, Nick there. Getting the show number in there. All right, that's uh, that's about it for the cover art. And uh, now it's time for us to talk about the coffee fund. So here we go. Nope, that's the wrong one. This one. Yes. Johnny, how much more coffee? Sure thing. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community, coffee and tea, and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah, the APG coffee fund, the coffee fund cadre, the coffee bar club, whatever you want to call these fine people, uh, is uh, they're like contributing to uh, our show financially. Lots of way to contribute sending in feedback, telling others about the show. Uh, but uh, if you have some extra coinage and you want to send it our way, you can become part of our Coffee Fund cadre, the APG Coffee Fund. And uh, we have a couple different ways to do that. One is the Coffee Fund Classic method. Most people use that for one-offs, two-offs, whatever, every now and then kind of contributions. We do have a, a handful of folks who are using that for recurring contributions as well. So thank you 
all of you. You know who you are. We do appreciate you and your monthly contributions. And the other way to do it is via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Airline Pilot Guy, the way to get there. You become a patron of the show by pledging a certain amount per episode. And yay, we have a new executive producer, Adam Brooks. He said he's been listening for a while and he was just, it was time uh, for him to stop. Um, I forgot what the term was that he used, but a freeloader or something like that. So he uh, joins the esteemed rank of patrons as an executive producer. So thank you very much, Adam, for that. And if you're interested uh, out there, dear listener, uh, to support us financially, head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee and you'll learn all about it. You'll be glad you did. We will too. Just send your cash. Do you need a break, Jeff? I do need a break, okay. Liz. Let's have a quick break then. Because okay. I've been drinking this barley juice. <laughs> Is that so, what we're calling it now? Well, that's what I'm calling it right at this moment. I see. Yeah. It's juice. Yeah. Maybe. Or or Fruit just juice. um Pops. magic mushroom juice. No. <laughs> I don't know. Don't pull anything. <laughs> when the when the show really goes off the rails later on, we'll know what the, the problem yeah. is. All right. So you ladies entertain the troops while I'm gone. We can do that. Or I can do that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really have anything. So you're flying this coming weekend, Stephanie? I am flying this coming weekend, yes. And it looks um, nice, eh? Like yeah, the weather's gonna be it's gonna be warm. I think it's our last like uh, nature's last attempt at summer, you know, kind of mid-80s. So How warm should is be your nice. lake still, do you know? I have no idea. Um, the lake, Liz is asking me how warm the lake is, and I, I don't know. I used to have a thermometer that was um, kind of like a Bluetooth function or a remote function, so I could actually look at the water temperature, but that one, it broke a long time ago. Uh, so. Got it. And... The current thermometer is probably covered in lake gunk because I haven't pulled it out of the water in quite some time. So not sure I could even read it. But I do think I have another one. So I can go check, but I probably won't. It's probably in the, I don't know, it's been, we've had some chilly nights. So it might be down in the 60s, the water temperature. Got it. I think I hear footsteps returning or maybe he's going to get another yeah it's okay for you to go back in <laughs> oh i think hello was hello was, yeah. Hillel was Thanks, waiting Hillel. in the <laughs> he's there he's there early he's yeah, right i know did you grab <laughs> another beer on your way back no i still have some remaining of this yeah okay. um she was asking me about my my beer supply mm-hmm. um, um well, and you knew that they didn't so I was thinking just as a segue from Coffee Fund, we could talking. go to number 12 first, because he's talking about his Coffee Fund contributions. Just oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so do the feedback bumper, and then we'll go to 12. Um, okay. Speaking of, oh, wait, no, I had to hit the feedback button. Bumper, here we go. That's what you just told me to do, isn't it? Sorry. Captain, incoming message. Guess what time it is? Feedback? Yes. Yes. Hey. Ding, ding, That's ding. That's a good ding. guess. Oh, I'm trying to make goodness. it, make sure we keep ourselves somewhere north of 
50 Got it. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, start with this from Neil Herbert. Or Herbert. <laughs> I don't know. Herbert. That's what we're going to say. Um, dear APG team, I'm genuinely impressed by the effort and countless hours you put in to each podcast. You should be impressed. As a fellow part-time aviator, I value the content you create. Oh, part-time, I get it. I get it. That when they, they call us airline pilots part-time workers because we you know only fly part of the time, then we're home the rest of the time. Uh, anyway, I value the content you create, and it's clear just how much you commit to each episode. This has inspired me to come back on board as a Patreon member. So our new patron there. Yay, Yay thank you. Thank you. Um, now, I didn't mention it in our little Coffee Fun segment there because he has been a patron in the past. So, uh, But we are going to uh, mention it because he sent us this feedback. Uh, also, I have to say, your 50% accuracy guarantee never fails to give me a good laugh. It's nice to see professionals who can keep a straight face when the autopilot is clearly having a chuckle. But honestly, if, if being half right means more of your content, then sign me up for a 100% commitment. Yes. I like that. Peace out, Neil. And, oh, wait a minute. Habert. We, we added an R there on the uh, name. I thought you were pronouncing top. it like Sherbert. No, like it's just because the, up there at the top, it says H-E-R-B-E-R-T. Oh, it does. There's an extra R. I, I missed that. Yeah. I missed that entirely. I was Spell just looking at the one at the bottom. I was like, I think it's <laughs> Hebert or Hebert. Hebert, yes. Hebert. I, I think you are correct. But Neil, anyway, send us some audio feedback. Saying, uh, yeah. Okay. Going to take a deduction of your pay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. That's staff. <laughs> you might want to skip number three because that's sort of towards yeah. Captain Nick on board. Oh, yeah. Good so, point. Yeah. Okay. We're going to skip number three because we want to talk about that piece of feedback when our the good Captain Nick is with us. Um, so we'll uh, continue on with this from Stephen. Uh, he says, hi, Captain Jeff and crew. In a recent episode, you spoke about aircraft reversing off stand. I recently had this experience with Binter Canarius flying inter-islands in the Canaries. I said that right? Yeah. I think Canary so. Islands. Mm-hmm. They regular, regularly reverse their ATRs off stand. It was actually very smooth and a very quick transition from reverse to forward motion as they only had to change the pitch of the props. Great show, y'all. No, he just said great show all. Wishing you blue skies and smooth landing. Steve. Cool. Mm-hmm. Do you do uh, do you push off the stand um, stuff with the uh, reverse propeller? Yes. No. So interestingly, to get the um, prop off the locks in the uh, uh, caravan that I fly with the Honeywell Garrett conversion engine, yeah. um, you actually have to bring it uh, uh, power lever briefly back into reverse, and then back to forward. It will allow the props to go from flat to. Um, it's, it's they're locked in flat pitch when you first start oh. the aircraft so that you don't end up going forward inadvertently. Um, however, we try to do that in a way um, that is uh, as causes as minimal disruption to anything that's ahead of us as possible because you're in reverse, so airflow is reversed oh, yeah. and going the other way. And frequently it's the backside of our hangar where people are packing their parachutes and things where you're potentially uh. blowing debris into. So... When he said that they do that, I was kind of wondering what might be in front of them on the stand that they're 
giving enough reverse power to actually reverse and potentially kicking up a bunch of stuff in front of them. KFC Winglets is asking you a question here, Steffi. KFC Winglets says... Ever had it uh, jump the locks? Jump the locks. No, I have not. Maybe KFC has had that experience. Sounds like he has got a little anecdotal mm-hmm. experience. Um, so it's kind of like uh, in a, in your car with the like the automatic transmission stick thing, and you have to kind of like maybe like pull it back into reverse a little bit. You know, it's kind of got a lot of play in it before you go to. No, I don't know. It's probably nothing like that. Oh, um, <laughs> and I guess with the jets, most of the jets that do the power back, from what I they're. Can recall the they're all you know like engine. I mean tail mounted. Tail engines. mounted so high up and they're high up and they're way back in the back. So you go you go into reverse thrust and you're by the time the wind gets up in front of the uh, air aircraft, it's probably not significant like it would be with a propeller aircraft. That stuff flies. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Thanks, Stephen, for the feedback, um, Patrick. Uh, writes in, I love your podcast and think these folks might make a good story or interview. They built a fully functional 737-800 SIM using a full cockpit. Oh, wait a minute. I, I wasn't ready for this. And Liz knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. Okay, where is it? Hang on. He's looking, he's looking. Uh, I'm going to have to start the whole thing over. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is from Patrick. I love your podcast. Think these folks might make a good story or interview. They built a fully functional 737-800 SIM using a full cockpit sec- section from an Indonesian airline and Microsoft flight simulator. It's in his garage in Orange County, California. And then he gives us a link to the uh, website oc737.com. They have planned a fundraiser soon for Angel Flight West, which flies people to medical facilities using volunteer GA aircraft. During the fundraiser, he and his crew will fly around the world for seven days straight. Thanks, and keep the shows coming. So this is from the, uh, let's see, the clip source here is, uh, well, OC737.com. Orange County 737-SIM. And it uh, starts off by saying, I started building this simulator in December 2021 after I acquired a full cockpit section. Cockpit. Why have, do I have so much trouble with that word today? A cockpit section from a Boeing 737-800. The original airplane last flew for the Indonesian airline. Srivijaya. <laughs> and was dismantled in Arizona in 2020. Now you get why I was why I was looking for the sound clip. Uh, it currently uses 98% real OEM parts, which is original equipment manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty. And there's a picture of it. I don't know if you're showing it in the. Um, am, yeah, you yeah. are. Well, look at that. I mean, that is you, you, obviously. That looks like a legit. That's because it is. It's a it real. Is the Microsoft is out the window, right? Like that's. What's creating the yeah? So you're looking at uh, screens. So it's, it's set up like a simulator would be, where the windows are screens, right. and I guess they have it hooked up, um, basically, to Microsoft Flight Simulator and the screens in such a way that it creates the wraparound view. That's so cool, though. It's really, it's really impressive. That's pretty amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, now obviously it's not a full motion simulator, but I mean, if it if right. it were. 
then that would well, it, they could find North, they're out in be California. as you know as as uh, good as you know the what do they call those uh, the full motion the cat full motion and, category D is that what they call those sims the we're just talking about like an airline sim yeah an airline sim yeah mm-hmm. okay but even with without it being motion you know they have pretty extensive screen stud up in there from what I can see so yeah. you're gonna have a sensation of you oh, know, yeah. it won't move but your brain can imagine mm-hmm. a lot. You can just have a couple of people standing right behind the seats, like, you know, moving them, shaking. <laughs> yeah, level D. Thank you, iHealthboxes. I think it was D something. Not category level D. D. Level okay. D. Yeah. That makes sense. I got the D better. right. I just didn't yes. get the other term, the other word. Okay. Well, That's very good. Impressive. Thanks, Patrick. Um, now, you know, we don't really do interviews on our show um, very often. It's more the exception than the rule, but I'm, we're glad to talk about it and you know, promote it and have people, you know, click on the website in their short show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, continuing on from uh, John. Possible topic. People think what we need topics, apparently. Uh, pilots say that European flights are becoming less safe. Hi, Captain Jeff and the others. <laughs> I like that. that I, will, I will continue <laughs> henceforth for the rest of the show. Be known as the other. The others. Hey, you others. <laughs> your cousin, your cousin, other. <laughs> right. Um, oh, John is. Uh, he's from uh, uh, Amersfoort. Wait a minute, Amersfoort. That's the first time I noticed that. I knew it was the Netherlands, but I didn't know it was Amersfoort. Um, I have a very good friend. In fact, the person it was largely responsible for me um, becoming a podcaster. Uh, Father Roderick von Hogan, uh, he lives in Amersfoort. He's a priest in Amersfoort. Um, anyway, he says, I'm a journalist, both radio slash podcast and on paper, a translator, product developer, and ham radio operator from the Netherlands. And I have been a loyal listener for at least four years. I have an item that possibly is something for the show. Dutch public broadca- broadcaster, B-N-N-V-A-R-A. Don't know what that stands for. Today came with the following item on Nationwide TV. They provided an English translation by themselves, so that's easy. And then he has the link. Um, And uh, it says, keep up the show. Uh, Good show. No, keep up the show and all the fun you clearly have making it. Thanks, John. We do have fun. Uh, Best greetings to all of you, even the others. Uh, John Peake. And uh, again, from Amersfoort, the Netherlands. And the link here is uh, from uh, the bnnvara.nl uh, for the Netherlands. And uh, the, the uh, headline is, Pilots Say That European Flights Are Becoming Less Safe. Okay. Mm. According to one-third of the 10,000 pilots, stewards, and flight attendants interviewed for an as-yet-unpublished maybe as yet published, maybe study conducted by no, Sweden. Not yet, no, not, not yet, yet published. published. It has been published. Yeah. Unpublished. For, has not yet been published. for as yet. Oh, okay. I see. They had it right. Uh, conducted by Sweden's Karolinska University, which has been obtained by Zembla. There has been a decline in European flight safety in recent years. 80% of cabin crew, 66% of pilots reported that their working conditions have deteriorated in part due to the increasing number of atypical contracts, 
pilots and cabin crew with this type of contract have a weaker legal position, making them more likely to continue working when they are actually too ill or too tired to do so. Pilots even told Zembla that they sometimes fall asleep during a flight. Officially, pilots and cabin crew are required by law to report that they are unfit to fly if they are too tired or sick to work. However, in practice, some airlines discourage this practice, as audio recordings in Zembla's possession show. These recordings reveal instances of employees being pressured to continue to work. Um, so, um, uh, something I highlighted here in one of these next paragraphs, Zembla has recently interviewed dozens of pilots and cabin crew members working for European budget airlines. And I, that might be a factor. Um, it, you know, these are from you budget airlines. Irregular contracts, I think they mean like they're Yeah, and they're ir- irregular contracts, I guess, these special, uh, what do they call the contracts? Uh, atypical, contract. I think, contracts. Um, according to these sources, a culture of fear prevails at some of these airlines. They claim that employees are afraid that they will face sanctions if they report problems or safety risks, either internally or externally. One pilot's stated and now i don't know what this word i guess the translation here i don't know what that is o-m-e-r-t-a there is an amor amerta oh it's like it's like that's the mafia you know you don't say anything like you keep your mouth shut omerta okay is this the silence um keeping things silent and it's, it's a mafia term Oh, it's like a mafia term liz is telling us there's an uh so this term if you speak out you're you're done for I'm not suggesting that they kill people, but they do silence them. According to our sources, this culture of fear leads staff to push boundaries and keep on working when they're exhausted. Some pilots even admitted to falling asleep in the cockpit. One of them shared, I suddenly realized my eyes were closed, and when I opened them, I saw that my colleague also had his eyes closed. Um, Anyway, so it continues on with um, more information about uh, about the survey. What do you think? 10,000 uh, people, that's quite a lot. Yeah, so this is kind of going back to the top, and I was thinking about this too. So 10,000 pilots, uh, flight attendants, airline personnel, it sounds like. But, you know, in medicine, we always read um, journal studies, journal articles with a very critical eye as to how things are conducted and what the data is really saying and how the statistics are being used to come up with the interpretation (laughs) yeah um so even just in this first paragraph as you were reading it it's like a third of the ten thousand pilots okay so that's you know a fair amount but it's not half or most even um and you don't know what airlines all of those folks are working for it does mention the budget ones later in there um but did they sample across all airlines in europe or just some of them or who certain countries no idea Um, And then later on, it says 80% of cabin crew and 66% reported that their working conditions have deteriorated, but they don't quantify that. What do they really mean? Does that mean a safety issue or it just means we're not as happy with our contract as we used to be? And does that equate to a safety measure? So Hmm. just curious. We have to see when it's published. A little skeptical there, huh? Well, I mean, it could be that all of these conclusions, healthy skepticism, because it could be that all these conclusions are um, meaningful and worth looking at and accurate. Um, But it could be a little sensational here, too. Well, here, the one third of the pilots um, claiming unsafe conditions are the one third of the pilots that have fallen asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I I believe. Is that a correlation? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. All right. 
Um, well, thank you, Nick, for sending that in. We'll have that link to that uh, article in the show notes, as always. That All was right, John, so not, not Nick. That was John. I'm sorry. That was John. I've already I've done one of my classic skipped moves ahead there. where I skipped ahead and then I skipped ahead again. <laughs> <laughs> you were just going to skip over number seven entirely. And we can't skip over this one because no. I, I'm actually... I haven't read what the feedback actually is, except for yeah. the first paragraph here, and this is good stuff. Well, I'm glad that um, that we're doing this because uh, the the one the next one has a video that I have not downloaded yet. Yeah, it gives you some time there. <laughs> yeah, although I won't really won't have time, Liz, because I'm I'm going to need to talk about this one here. So well, Stephanie I don't could take the lead and well, we could do your video. Yeah, Steph, why don't you do this one? Sure, be happy to. This to one is it. from. Nick Wilson, it's regarding cabin safety. He says, hi, APG crew, longtime listener and Patreon member. Thank you, Nick. It's been ages since I last sent some feedback. And think, in fact, I think the last time I sent feedback was on Dr. Steph's first appearance on the show. That would have been 2014, 15, yeah. Um, yes, that was a while ago. He says, and yes, I do have the syndrome after listening to every single episode of APG. I've skipped taking the medicine as the side effects sound worse than the symptoms. <laughs> after taking several flights this year with a variety of airlines in Europe, I've observed a few things that I would appreciate your opinions on. When it comes to safety demonstrations, there's a total contrast from one airline to another in terms of content and duration. On my last flight with Lufthansa, there was no mention of loss of cabin pressure process, use of evacuation slides, or life jackets. Simply how to fasten seatbelts and the location of emergency exits before referring passengers to the safety cards for further information. Is that the bare minimum required? Um, when traveling, do you prefer videos or manual safety demonstrations? Is the use of humor appropriate to keep passengers engaged? Or does it, does it distract from the importance of safety? A couple of other observations. On a recent CRJ900 flight, the cabin crew had an issue with closing an overhead locker due to the size of a rollerboard bag. So instead of asking the ground crew to place it in the hold, they simply wedged the bag between two unoccupied seats. It struck me as being a bit unusual. Have any of the crew ever seen that before? Also, on a couple of Ryanair flights, I noticed that the cabin crew take their seats at the very last minute, literally as the aircraft was lining up on the runway. It all seemed very rushed in contrast to most other airlines where the cabin crew are seated well before takeoff. What do you think? Thanks, crew, for the great show every week. Cheers. Nick Wilson from Wiltshire in the UK. P.S. What's the latest on the RV delivery and your retirement date, Jeff? <laughs> I can uh, answer that. You can answer that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go ahead. TBD, TBD. Uh, so let's go back to his first question up here. He um, was talking about the Lufthansa flight where the safety um, demonstration was just, here's your seatbelts, here's the exits, check out your safety card for anything else you might ever need to know. That sounds like less than the bare minimum to me. Mm -hmm. um, I've never seen a, an airline in the U.S. not at least talk about loss of cabin pressure that, and use of life jackets if they're available on the aircraft. I would imagine that every country's uh, regulatory agency, in this case, ICAO, I guess, maybe they have a certain bare minimum that you have to actually cover verbally, uh, whether it be in person or on a, on a video. And mm -hmm. maybe that's what they're doing here, just the, mm -hmm. the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. 
um, in terms of video versus manual safety demonstrations. I don't have a huge preference there, but I have noticed, um, and this has been on um, mainline legacy carrier flights, depends on the particular type of aircraft and uh, whether there's video available or not available um, in terms of how much gets done with the manual demonstration. All of the things get talked about, but a lot of times they just, the cabin crew just stand there in the aisle kind of awkwardly where they're talking about, you know, make, take a look around you. And, you know, there are this many um, emergency exits and they don't do anything to like point, point out where they might be. No, nope, they just stand there and kind of stare straight ahead. I don't think I they're required. Odd. I mean, I think that's the way. I don't it think is they're required to. It too. Um, they to, if it's in the video and then they're making the mm-hmm. motions in the video, they are just there to answer any questions that might people might have. Apparently. Well, so this is with no video. Oh, no video. No video. Oh, never mind mm-hmm. then. Oh, that's mm-hmm. odd. Yeah, very odd. It's become more f- prevalent recently. Huh. Is what I've noticed, which I find odd because it seems awkward for the flight attendants to just stand there and just kind of be staring Maybe straight ahead while everyone's rules. staring at them or, yeah. you know, not because they're just engrossed in their yeah, phones or their. Doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, I've found that odd. Um, I appreciate humor personally. I don't mind if uh, safety briefings are humorous. I think people do pay more attention. I don't think it distracts if you've got someone's attention and you can make sure they. Uh, get the pertinent information out of it. You know, if it's only humor without the salient information, that's no good, but it's sure it's certainly going to contain yeah, the relevant information. I think the ones with humor have much higher impact or effect when they're first introduced. And then if mm-hmm. you happen to fly a lot and you're seeing the same. Yeah. If it's a video where it's over and over and over again, yeah, it's not, like, it's uh, the same, like eh. ignoring it. I think yeah. the humor works better when they're manual demonstrations and someone's actually oh, yeah. saying the words instead of just on a video. Right. Yeah. And as for wedging a bag in between two unoccupied seats, I've never seen that. that no, that's clearly not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kosher. No. Oh. At all. Uh, and then line uh, flight attendants, cabin crew taking their seats at the very last minute. That's probably comes down to turn times, push times. Uh, yep. SOP airline specific SOP. That yeah, I think that's part of it. I it used to be uh, at Acme that you know many many years ago that was the, uh, the not the exception. It was a rule, not the exception, um, because they didn't normally start their safety demos until you were already well on your way taxiing mm-hmm. out to the runway. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I don't know exactly when it was, they, uh, and I thought it was kind of odd because I didn't know that they had changed their, uh, their operating rules, but you know, they're, we're still sitting at the gate and they're giving their safety demonstration. We haven't even started the pushback sequence yet. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, that's not what I'm used to. And of course, now that's the norm at Acme. And so that's why by the time you go out there, you probably won't see a lot of flight attendants walking around doing their final checks right before you take the runway. They're, they've been see, seated for quite some time by that point. So it's just when they start the whole uh, yeah. briefing. If they're delayed for some reason, I think it's you can certainly see that happen up until fairly last minute. But, now, but the, that's not the norm, I don't the think. The advantage to the 
manual kind of safety briefing as opposed to the video is that the video, once you hit the play button, that it's going to last for a certain number of minutes and seconds. Whereas the uh, manual safety demonstrations, uh, you have a lot more flexibility there. They can, they can talk a lot faster and go through the motions a lot faster if they know that they're going to be pushed. You know, they, they don't have a lot quick, of time. Quick taxi. Yeah, quick taxi or whatever. Um, where I've, I've seen back in the older days when they didn't start these safety demonstrations until, you know, well in your, into your taxiing, uh, there would be, especially the wide bodies, um, they would be uh, ready or they'd be toward the end of the runway and they'd have to tell tower, you know, we're not ready yet. We need another 30 seconds. You know, the safety demonstration is still going on. So, uh, you know, that, that used to occur quite often. I'll say this, just personal preference. I think the safety briefing, like, I don't mind humor, especially when it's a manual demonstration. A little bit of humor is fine. I've definitely watched some that just seem to go on forever and ever because they've built in, like, cutesy animations that really just aren't necessary. Like, yeah, over the top. Just keep it over the top, like some storyline that goes on and on forever, or just like filler things happening, like transition between points of. I'm like, don't don't do that. Just tell me the stuff and move on. And I guess it depends on what kind of traveler you are as well, Steph. I mean, you mm. travel quite often, and you're more in that business traveler um, mm-hmm. realm mm-hmm. where you go, okay. You know, cut with the cute stuff. Let's just get just to the point fast. and yeah. get it done. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to somebody that maybe only flies every few years. You know, mm. they they may be just completely taken by the cleverness of the yes. uh, demonstration. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I will say in terms of cleverness and cutesiness, um, mm-hmm. Turkish Airlines um, a number of years ago won for that oh, yeah. in my book. They little cartoon thing and all the, the passengers were cute little cartoon animals and it wasn't overly drawn out. It had all the pertinent information. It was interesting to watch. I imagine that kids would enjoy watching it as well. So mm. I think they were, that one was well done. That was probably six or seven years ago, though. What was the one that uh, was it? Um, Eight years ago. Air New Zealand did that they were all naked. Yeah, that would. Uh, but they were painted. <laughs> certainly. They were body painted. Paint. Yeah. So you yeah. really couldn't tell that they were naked. But. It kind of tell but not sort really of. you couldn't yeah. see anything that you weren't supposed to see but tight. yeah very yeah. very form-fitting clothing yeah uniforms and that was it was again one of those things where it was very um everybody paid attention to it and there are a lot of people talking about it when they first introduced it and then after a while nobody talked and about it. i mean some of those things are they serve a publicity yep. purpose as well Oh, I, what? No. What? Yeah, marketing. <laughs> Come on. Marketing's better. That's not true stuff. Um, I'm right. not faulting uh, them for it. Just, you know, taking advantage. Yeah. From Wiltshire in the UK. Um, what's the latest on the RV delivery and your retirement date, Jeff? Okay. Uh, so the RV delivery is still, I just checked uh, a couple of days ago, talked to my to my man, the regional guy uh to see if anything had changed for the delivery date and it Called has up not to canada uh no the, the well the the company is up in canada uh manitoba uh but uh the uh, representative that i talked with is uh southeastern u.s um is his region and he lives in muscle shoals alabama oh. and uh did, he didn't sound canadian to me oh. unless i have a southern accent in canada no no. There's no no Canadian Southern. 
No, nah. maybe not. Nah. Um, anyway, uh, so it's still looking like uh, just shy of seven months from now, or right about seven months. So maybe May, uh, late May. Luckily, I extended my lease in this apartment until June uh, 25th, so <laughs> I have a little overlap there. Good and um, then my retirement date, my my official retirement date is uh, the Part 121 carriers here in the U.S. of A uh, require that you retire on your, well, the last day. You, you can keep flying until you turn 65. When do you turn age 65? Well, at midnight. Uh, of the day before you turn 65 or on midnight, whatever, however you want to say that. Midnight of the day. So as the calendar rolls over to your birthday at midnight, you turn into a 121 on the 26th of December of this year, I will turn into a pumpkin. Not literally. I'm already kind of helping that process by becoming a pumpkin with my big gut. Um, but uh, so the basically midnight uh, of um, the 25th, Christmas Day, will be the last possible day that I could fly. However, I've backed up my vacation of five weeks of vacation into November, the week of Thanksgiving here in the U.S., is when um, I will take my what I call terminal vacation or terminal leave or whatever you want to call it. That's scary. That's scary. That's yeah, that's terminal. Terminal as far as the job is concerned. How about not my life, hopefully not terminal. And, but that's, that's a term that we use in the, uh, in the military is terminal leave. And that just means that's your last terminal like that, Jeff. Oh no, not, not that kind of terminal. No, oh, no. Okay. Um, hopefully not. And uh, so you probably noticed that I haven't been talking a lot about um, doing a lot of trips and a lot of flying. It's basically because I've I've reduced my flying down to essentially zero, and uh, it's probably um, at a point now. I don't want to go into a lot of details, but I I don't uh, see flying any more trips. So I've basically flown my last trip in my. 35 years of flying at uh, Acme Airlines. So kind of the I know way many you of you are, it. You wanted to sort of go out low key, right? Yeah. You, yes. Liz is saying that's the way I wanted it. And it is the way I wanted it. I didn't want to make a big deal of it with the fire truck spraying the spray and balloons and noisemakers and, you know, people congratulating dinosaurs. me and making me do a speech and making me cry. We would have brought the dinosaurs I out know. of retirement. Well, and the dinosaurs. And I know, but, you know, that was fun when you guys did that. But, um, and, you know, if things were different in my personal life, I think that maybe it would have been more of that kind of a thing. But um, I, now I've just gotten to the point where, you know, I, the people that know me um, know when I'm not going to be, um, you know, there anymore. And, uh, and the, I just don't need to make a public, not, not that making a public spectacle is a bad thing, but for me it is. I just want to be like the Captain Jeff guy. Where is he still around? Is he You're still, did he retire? Under the radar. I don't say, I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> so, uh, and I just want to kind of slip out the back door and uh, and then just have a big giant party sometime next year, maybe the first part of the year. We, maybe we can combine it with some kind of a big uh, APG meetup. I don't know. We haven't really talked about yeah. it, honestly. 
the crew hasn't, uh, but maybe we can combine the two and just celebrate with all of you, uh, the people that uh, are very important in my life. But you APG's people that are listening to the uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. And if you think that uh, because I'm retiring from flying means that I'm not going to be doing a podcast anymore, well, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Captain Nick is a good example of that. I mean, he he retired, uh, what, in March of 2019? And uh, mm -hmm. he's still going strong and one of our crew members. Lots and to so, say. yeah, lots, yeah, a lot to say for sure. And uh, so, you know, we have our extensive experience um, to, um, you know, use and, uh, and draw upon uh, when we analyze uh, incidents, accidents, and that sort of thing. And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Um, I call boxes is voting for daily four-hour episodes. Four episodes. Well, I don't think I quit. <laughs> Liz is, Liz is she's out. Quitting. She's out. <laughs> she's out. Well, so I haven't, as I said, I've, I haven't flown um, very much recently, and I'm still very, very busy <laughs> with the with the involvement in my church and singing and doing this podcast each and every week. I mean, it takes up all the time that I have. I don't know, you know, how but I had time to Didn't you have to, to go down to the airport trips? recently and you hated it? Yeah. Well, that's another story okay. that I don't really want to talk okay. about. <laughs> but um, Yeah. How does anyone have a job and do this? I, no I don't know. I don't sure know. Either. If I had a real full-time job, I'm sure I wouldn't be able to do this weekly podcast. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, along those anyway. lines, maybe you want to yes, skip down to number 18 because it's something you're going to be doing okay. on Sunday. All right. Uh, producer Liz is telling me to skip down to, oh, yeah, to uh, uh, item number 18. Uh, this is feedback from Captain Jur. Yeah, I think, it's like, I think it's like Jurgen, Jurgen or Jurgen. Jurgen, Jur, 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 You'll find out on from Sunday. The Netherlands, and he'll tell me for in person uh, how to pronounce his, his name. Uh, dear APG crew and the others. No, he didn't put that in there. I did. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much for reading my feedback uh, ab initio on APG 579. It was quite an honor to hear Captain Jeff read it and discussing it with Captain Nick. And that for a, and that for a first time contribution. Maybe the, that coffee fund splash did make a difference. Wink, wink. <laughs> That's me winking. <laughs> no, it doesn't make a difference. Yes, it does. So if you want us to read your feedback, you have to send us lots of money. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's, there's no connection you whatsoever. You have to send me a lot of money. You have to send Liz a lot of money to get your feedback listed. Good point. She's really the one putting the feedback in order and telling right. us when to do things. So It's all Liz. Don't get on her bad side. Yeah, yeah that'll be a, not a good thing. Ow! <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, continuing with Captain Jure. Uh, it now transpires that I'm rostered for the early ATL um, KLM 623 coming in on Sunday. Uh, looking to forward to into Atlanta. Yep. Looking forward to some sunny weather in the Peach State, and I plan oh, to gonna, drink the get heart out of weekend. a fine afternoon. Yeah, I'm sorry. What? Oh, I'm sorry. The sunny weather. I think he picked a good weekend for it. Did he? Is it, it going to be, be nice and sunny there? this weekend? It's going to be sunny and warm here, so hopefully it will be oh, cool. there. It's not that far away. Excellent. Yeah. Well, good timing. Sorry. Maybe for we'll get to drink some IPAs out there on the. I don't know if this place has a 
outdoor patio or not. We're going to find out. Ooh, Sunday, um, the high is going to be 28 Celsius, 82 Fahrenheit. Oh, that's, that's hot. In Atlanta. That's 82 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. Maybe we'll stay inside and keep cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, looking forward to the, some sunny weather in the Peach State, and I plan to drink the heart out of a fine afternoon. As an IPA aficionado, I usually saunter to Iron Hill Brewery, as it's not too far from the crew hotel and the beer is brewed on site. But I always look for local tips. As the captains enjoy a nice pint and Dr. Steph is a connoisseur, even I was hoping you could maybe give me a vector. BBQ, barbecue, is not a problem. No, it's never a problem. Um, Thank you in advance, and if anyone would like to join and share stories, the beers are on me. Warm regard. Oh, I hope you brought extra clothing. (laughs) <laughs> <Ba-doom>, <laughs> bam. Um, let's see warm regards and blue skies not the rainy season in jro jro where is that that's somewhere uh, in the netherlands apparently um would somebody look that up for me i'm, I'm looking sorry. kilimanjaro Tanzania. oh kilimanjaro yeah is that where that's taken there i guess definitely looks rainy mm-hmm. are you are you yeah, showing that did on. you show yeah, that liz just going down there okay there he is. Beautiful KLM jet. Um, looks like a Dreamliner in the background. Isn't that a Dreamliner? Looks like looks, let's see if I zoom tell. into it. Oh, you know what? That actually may be a uh, Airbus 330. 330. Let me see like, what he's flying on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. Yeah. I just had to, yeah. I had to make it he's, bigger. He's flying a 330 <laughs> into Atlanta. <laughs> wow. Impressive. Um. Yeah, so, uh, no, hopefully we won't have that kind of weather here, uh, Jura. Uh, Jordan uh, is his full name. And uh, so I, um, I replied to uh, his email and said, I will be more than happy to meet up with you on Sunday evening. So after my fifth mass, singing at the we- uh, mass of singing at the weekend, that's not... The of the weekend, fifth mass of the weekend singing. singing. Maybe that's better. Need to wet your whistle uh, I plan on uh, heading down. Yeah, because my whistle is going to be dry. I'm going to wet that whistle yeah. and get it uh, all, you know, back into shape. So I'm going to head down to uh, Buckhead and uh, meet up with uh, with Jura and possibly some of his crew at the um, Iron Hill Brewery, which is not. It's not based. I, I've never heard of Iron Hill Brewery. I guess it's in Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Not sure where they're Maybe there'll be some from. attractive Dutch flight attendants with him. Oh yeah, I hope oh, I need to reply. I need to send him some more feedback or some more uh, email. Yeah, make sure you bring your uh, flight attendant crew as well. Um, anyway, so uh, I look forward to meeting up with Captain Jur, 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 however that's pronounced, you can and I'll give you. On how he yeah, well, you know what? I'll uh, hopefully remember to bring my microphone. We'll uh, record some audio, and then you'll hear him uh, pronouncing his last name for Looks us. Like How about that? from Philadelphia, Jeff. Yeah, Where Philadelphia. I think mm. that rem- that rings a bell. Iron Hill is a, an area in Philly. I should know. I used to live in Philly. Ah, the Iron Hill yeah. area. Yeah. yeah. lived everywhere. I have she has. Everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, there you go. Here's some behind-the-scenes information. Yeah, I need to have. You know what I need to do? No, I don't. I guess I don't need to. I asked if he wanted me to pick him and uh, no, his crew up. Over. 
Yeah, and now he's going to walk over. So now I don't have to worry about getting my car cleaned. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I kind of half live out of my car, honestly, and I'm um, thinking, well, if they're going to be other, like, like a first officer or second officer along with them, I'm going to have to do something. I wish he was coming to your house something. to get rid of those boxes. Yeah. You know what? Hey, I did get rid of my boxes, oh, Liz. I haul boxes came over? I haul boxes came over and hauled all those boxes out of here. <laughs> Excellent. He's so helpful. I mean, I was, uh, it, it took a good hour for me to break down all the boxes and, wow. and take them to the, to the so trash now. place. It does. Yeah. And I actually, I know this is like, who cares, but this little one bedroom, um, apartment, um, let's see if I can, uh, do my little camera action here and then you can see what I'm talking about. Um, this is where the cardboard boxes used to be. Now that's my desk right here. So it's still kind of a messy <laughs> desk. <laughs> And this is a little outdoor uh, thing that I had outside. And I had, oh, the thing below it is a um, Blackstone um, flat top grill that I had outside on top of this table. But then I got tired of using my oven to make. I know all of this you're going like, who cares? Well, I do. Um, I had to use my oven to make toast, and it just takes forever to get the broiler up to temperature to make toast in your oven. I'm thinking, well, I have a toaster oven in the storage unit. So I got the I got that storage I mean the toaster oven out of my storage unit uh, just the other day and I thought oh I need to put it somewhere because I'm running out of counter space so I put it on that table there so anyway the point of this is no more cardboard boxes over there except for the one that the the uh, flat iron grill is on because I'm thinking I might just box that thing up and donate because okay. I'm not going to use it. Um, Liz would like us to move this along back to aviation. I know. I know. Things. Ah, sorry. <laughs> well, it was interesting to me, Liz. It may not be to you. You're proud of your accomplishments there. I understand. Um, I'm shrinking. Um, so it's embarrassing. It is really embarrassing. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm talking about my height, my stature. Oh, uh, sure. you can take that so many ways. Yeah. So ben Ram says you're going to have a dinner party soon. He can tell you're all ready for a dinner party there. Yeah, I'm going to make toast in my toaster oven. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fine dinner party. Crack well, open some beers and then make some toast. <laughs> make some to but then you can make toasts to each other. I mean, toast squares. Isn't that a, like a fancy uh, little yeah, yeah, hors d'oeuvre like, that yeah, I could do? With like, I'll just have the toast squares and you'll have to bring your own <laughs> and, fancy and stuff. And then you can on. toast each other toast. with your beers. <laughs> I'll just be a whole piece of toast. Bring your own toppings. It sounds like an elegant soiree. Well, you got another video to play next. Oh, I have another video to play. I think it is a YouTube <laughs> one. I think this one's YouTube, and I think it's um, it's a good one. Probably fairly entertaining. Fairly entertaining. Okay, which which one we're looking Sam at? Sam Dawson, Are number we... nine. He dated this controller. Number nine. Oh yeah. Okay, I don't think I. So while you're setting that up, I'll read. Uh, okay. Some of the stuff here, if you like. This Thank is. You sent to us by Sam Dawson. He says, I think I once dated this controller. This sounds like a theme of things we've talked about recently with controllers. Um, this, uh, there's a YouTube video, which Jeff is working on. And then there's a clip from on uh, one mile at a time. 
And it says, as an aviation geek, I love listening to air traffic control audio. This is the article that was sent to us. Um, and always enjoy the vast aviation. Oh, uh, actually, I'm sorry. Not sure if that's the article or Sam talking. Either way, as an aviation geek, I love listening to air traffic control audio and always enjoy the vast aviation YouTube channel, which does a great job covering interesting air traffic control interactions. We agree. While I usually focus on situations involving airlines, there are also some interesting interactions at general aviation airports. Recently wrote about San Carlos Airport's cranky air traffic controller. We talked about that one. So here's one about Denton Airport's argumentative air traffic controller. Denton Enterprise Airport is a small general aviation airport in Denton, Texas, which also has lots of flight schools. Even more than at major airports, air traffic controllers here should be patient, given the range of pilots that they're dealing with. In this roughly 3 minute 20 second clip posted by Vass Aviation, uh, you're going to hear a Cherokee aircraft trying to do some touch and go sequences for practice. And um, looks like we should probably just queue up the video from here. All right. Got a rep. Vass Aviation, Real Aviation Communications. Cherokee 65 Charlie, there's traffic on the parallel. The traffic here falls inside of Highway 380 at Cherokee on final for 18 left. All right, we're looking for that traffic to follow for 65 Charlie. And uh, if we could plan on the next one possible, we could get a short approach in. We'd appreciate it. Cherokee 65 Charlie, have request. Your traffic's out of half mile final now. You've got him inside, 65 Charlie. Cherokee 65 Charlie, give him room. He's a full stop. 1 8 left, cleared option. 1 8 left, cleared option. We'll give him a November 7, Papa Echo, turn your base. Turn to base, Papa Echo. That's a 2 Bravo Tango, or November 6, 5 Charlie. You should have turned to your base before you hit the approach end of the runway. You're outside the, the airport traffic area. Uh, We're on about a quarter mile final, ma'am. I mean, sorry, base. Yeah, no, you should be inside the airport. You should have turned your base up in the numbers. We can't do that and, and land on the 1,000 footers. Well, that's what a short approach is. I'm sorry, I guess I should, uh, we need to come up with something different because in order to complete a commercial check ride, we've got to do what's called a power off 180. Well then... Pull the power of beam where you want to touch down and have to land on that point and no more than 200 beyond it. That's fine, but don't ask for a short approach if you're going to do a power off 180. That's my point. Well, okay, I will remember that from now on, no problem. Yeah, when you ask for a short approach, I expect you to turn your base to beam the numbers. All right, this will be a full stop for 6-5 Charlie, and uh, maybe we need to talk about that some more because you're the first controller in 15 years that's ever said that. Well, I'm just, you know, I, I, if you ask for a short approach, a short approach is when you turn your base to mean the numbers. If I know you're a student asking for a short approach, I know you're out there practicing and you probably will extend. But if you're doing something other than a short approach, don't ask for a short approach. Well, I will definitely look up the definition of short approach because I've never seen where it says you turn base of beam the numbers because I don't see how you could possibly do that. Well, I Googled it, actually. I Googled short approach, <laughs> and it said to turn your base a beam or before the numbers, and you will land probably touchdown around midfield. Okay. Well, then uh, I apologize for requesting the wrong thing because uh, everywhere else, short approach means power off 180, but uh, that's definitely not what it means here. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've worked at different airports. I don't know. But just ask for what you need so I know what you want to do so I can accommodate. I will most definitely do that. It's just most controllers don't know what a power-up 180 is. 
can you call me um, no. when you get to the phone? Because I, I just got a question I want to ask you. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> she wants a date. Yeah. What are you wearing? <laughs> 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 it's the Geico ad. She, she sounds hideous. <laughs> That's a State Farm commercial yeah. reference, actually. Yeah. State Farm, yeah. 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 Uh, What's hmm, the State Farm anyway. So you're more familiar with um, operations uh, and VFR patterns and that kind of thing. I, what yeah, do you think of this? I've never heard a short approach being termed your base of beam the numbers. That's ridiculous. Um, maybe this is a good question for, for opposing. I mean, uh, <laughs> we fly some interesting approach patterns, uh, for jump operations sometimes, but especially at an airport where there is no other traffic around and it's us and we're doing things for efficiency of operation. But, um, as soon as this guy called up, I, I mean, to me, just listening to this, not even having, there's a whole transcript here of what's going on. Not having read through it and not knowing exactly what the um, the scenario was going to be other than it was going to be interesting for sure. Um, as soon as he said on the next approach, we'd like uh, we'd like to get a short approach. In my mind already, I was thinking this is the instructor. They would like to do a power off, off 180 because that's a maneuver that you have to demonstrate for your commercial license here in the United States. And the maneuver is exactly as he described it. You are flying your downwind and a beam the numbers you're going to simulate engine failure. So you're going to pull the power back. And the objective is to land on the thousand footers, not to, uh, and no farther than 200 feet beyond it. Yeah. Um, just make sure I said that right. I probably said it backwards. It's getting late folks. I've had a long week. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the objective is you're going to land on your target from a power failure in the pattern environment, short final, or, um, you know, without a lot of, room for extra decision making. The decision making is basically you're going to turn your base, turn your final and land on a target. So power off 180, it's the name of it is what it describes there. Um, but you would never, unless you were in a brick of some sort, um, and the aircraft that I did my commercial training in was a Piper Cherokee, which is, or I'm sorry, a Piper, um, the arrow. So with retractable landing gear, um, it kind of flies like a brick once you pull the power. So I saw a meme one time or a, a, a cute cartoon that described the power off 180 maneuver in an arrow and the flight instructor threw a brick out the window. And that was basically the intended landing point because you're just going to follow it straight down. <laughs> so this is going to be a short approach. Like it's not going to be, you know, they were within a quarter mile of the end of the runway. That's a short approach. I don't know that there's anywhere that says what the, if there's a, book definition maybe in the 71 is that the the pilot uh, or the uh, controller bible basically this might be a good question for those well i don't think it would be in there guys. it would be on google oh i'm sorry yes i like to google. google it but you know that first of all i don't know maybe i'm wrong about this but when the whole thing started off didn't she say that the preceding traffic they were about to touch down and they were going to be a so full they were stop. Actually, Give they, them they cut room. out a whole bunch. Huh? They cut out a whole bunch. It was actually two different approaches as far as I can tell. Um, oh, okay. Because yeah, I was thinking, well, if, you, made, if I were, you just told me to give clear. them a bunch of room and now you're complaining that I went too far? Yeah. That's weird, I think. Yeah. So they did their first approach. They were, 
following another Cherokee or something that was on final, she wanted to make sure that they gave them plenty of room because they were doing a touch and go, but the aircraft ahead of them was doing a full stop. Oh, okay. They were like, yep, okay, fine. And then the next transmission is them oh. on their next approach where they gotcha. were planning their short approach. And she was, was all part snippy of the with them. Okay. Yeah, it was. But, you know, I have to say, you know, I think the thrust of this is that the controller just wouldn't let it go. Nope, she had to be but right. I think, but I, honestly, I, I think that the pilot could have just not, I mean, he kept kind of coming back as well. So, so I mean, here's, it was like here's my question. This is both a small, of them were extending this whole thing longer than it needed to be. I think. For sure. My guess, and I'm just guessing here, this is a small airport with a limited number of controllers who you, whose voices you get to know probably pretty well. And if you're an instructor there, maybe you actually know them personally, um, because everything's kind of housed within the same environment or buildings. Potentially the control tower could be attached to the uh, FBO buildings or things like that, or very close proximity. Um, and my guess is this is not the first time there's been some friction um, with controlling styles and requests and things like that, hmm. is my guess. Just a guess. I don't know. Having done training in small GA airport environments or with a... With, even at a class D that has um, a handful of controllers, you get to know every one of those voices. If you're doing flight training there, you get to know their idiosyncrasies. You get to know their quirks and how they do things that might be just ever so slightly different from the next controller, especially if it's a contract tower. Um, so just some guesses. I think um, you might be right about that. All right. Um, now I'm, man, I've just not done a lot of good prep for this show and I do apologize for that. But, uh, is, is the next one from, uh, Larry? It is, but I've got, okay. I've got the slide of it. Okay. You do, but I have something oh, that's even okay. going to be, um, kind of amplify, not uh, better, but just, uh, just going to add to it kind of, Got it. if I can find it, I had, I think I, several days ago when I was doing my initial prep work. I had this all set up, a lot of prep work. and apparently, um, one of the um, tabs that I had all set up for this, I just haphazardly closed. <laughs> it's no longer there. I don't need that. Show. What Goodbye. the heck is that? <laughs> I don't need that. Son of a gun! Now I can't find it. Oh, it was going to be so cool. I was going to zoom in and show you exactly where this was. This Google, Google Earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, are you whistling in the background, Liz? It's very <laughs> rude. I'm whistling to my dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not meant to, to, to nope. mess me up or not make fun of me never, at all. Never would do that. Ah, uh, crap. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to be able to find it. Well, why don't we, we don't have to do this today. We can make it on the next Yeah, show. let's hold this one over. Yep, we'll then I can do my really fancy. Yep, that's fine. <laughs> zooming in. And you'll be so impressed with all the, uh, Can't wait. with all the work that I did. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so let's go all to right. Paul. Your all check. right, let's, uh, let's move on to this one from Paul Urichek. And there's actually two audios, two Two questions. audios. Okay, and so uh, let's see. There are questions regarding go-arounds and giving up his seat. Okay, let's uh, start with this one. 
hear what uh, Paul has to say. Hello, APG crew. Captain Jeff, Liz, Dr. Steph, Macho Man, Captain Nick, Miami Rick, and all the APG listeners. This is Paul. And I wanted to ask a question about go-arounds. I was going to Singapore, which is another story onto its own. But I was flying from Canton, Akron, C-A-K, to O-R-D, Chicago O'Hare. Anyway, we were about to land in Chicago. We're probably 500 feet above. And all of a sudden, we're not descending anymore. We're actually going back up. I'm like, huh, this must be a go-around. Well, I expected to be plastered in my seat and looking like Chevy Chase or Dan Aykroyd and spies like us in the centrifuge, if you know what I mean. Nothing like that. It was just a nice go around and we went up, went around the pattern, landed, and that was the end of it. I had to hurry up to catch my flight into San Francisco. Anyway, didn't have time to ask the pilots what happened, but our flight attendant did at least mention it and apologize for the delay of the go around. So, is there any way I can find out what the go around was about? Are there any records I could look up anywhere on the internet? I didn't, I wasn't able to hear anything on live atc so what do you guys think that's the end of the recording talk to you later thanks bye paul i think you need to call somebody because he has some uh, birds or wild, something in your wildlife house. management <laughs> some wildlife management it's like in the jungle it did it was interesting i wonder if he's outside or if that's or if he's got some pet birds or something i don't know no idea um, interesting uh, great sound effects in the background um, and I'm not saying that they're not real. It sounds like they're real, real birds or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so I when I'm still trying to find that darn um, thing in <laughs> Google it, Maps. Leave it alone. <laughs> okay, I'll let it go. Move on. Um, <laughs> Moveon.com. Um, so when did he say that the uh, Singap the Singapore flight took place? Uh, I don't know if he actually no, said. He said he was going to Singapore. But his first, his initial uh, segment of the trip was Canton Akron to O'Hare. Okay. And the go around was going into O'Hare and just kind uh, of. And how long ago was that? Uh, who knows? Uh, he didn't say. Um, I haul boxes says maybe Freedom of Information Act, but I don't know that you'll get any information there. He would keep this. Well, no, they don't, there's okay. no records of it. I mean, maybe. Funny. I think he's being facetious a little I, bit as well, but what? maybe not. I haul boxes is being facetious? No way. <laughs> I just wanted to pass along his facetiousness. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a good idea. Just because, yeah, but I don't know. I, I I don't know of any way that you're going to find that information if you did if um, live ATC recordings yeah, didn't capture the way. transmission. That's the most reliable way to figure it out. But um, it was probably something very boring, like the aircraft in front of you didn't clear the runway fast enough, or there was, um, you know, just uh, they're probably doing um, triple uh, simultaneous approaches and. Who knows? I mean, it was sequencing, spacing, something, something yeah, uneventful. almost all the times it's spacing. You know, the previous aircraft ahead of you was still on the runway or whatever. They didn't think they were going to clear in time. So uh, they just sent them around. Or maybe even the captain or whatever just decided, you know what? I don't, I'm not comfortable with this spacing. Let's go ahead and initiate a go around. Although that's usually not the case, but uh, possible, I guess. Second audio. All right. Second audio is. Let's see if the birds up. are still awake. 
Yeah, we'll see if the, the birds are still there. Here we go. Hi, crew. This is Paul again. Now, on to Singapore. Well, let's just put it this way. Um, I was in San Francisco airport waiting to get on my flight. It's going to be on a 787-9. On my way to San Francisco, that's going to be 16 hours butt in seat, is what I like to call them. Anyway, here's the setup. They asked for 23 volunteers. I'm not sure about the number, but it was over 20. I think it was 23 to give up this flight, go the next morning, and they will pay for your hotel, transportation to the hotel, meal tickets, and so on and so forth. And you get $800. I think, wow, that's great. Well, guess what? A half hour later, they upped the price to give people $1,200 plus the hotel, transportation, meal tickets, and all that, and take the next flight. Well, I figured, let me try this. I asked for Polaris class on top of all those little goodies. Well, they turned me down. But here's my question. What do you guys think made them want to give up 23 seats? There was some really important group. Did they overbook? What do you guys think? And I'll bet you Captain Nick knows this one very well. Okay, time's running out on speed pipe. I don't want to bore you guys. Talk to you later. He just barely got it in. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm hmm. Terrible. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Steph? What's going on here? I think the flight was oversold or there was a cancellation previously that bumped people onto that flight and uh, they needed volunteers to to move before they started moving people on their own without any additional compensation which is what will happen ultimately. That contract of carriage uh, fine print in your, uh, once you book an airline ticket, um, basically says that they will get you to your destination. Doesn't actually have to be on that flight that you booked, in most cases, if you read the fine print. So if the flight is oversold um, and they don't get any volunteers, and for some reason you're at the bottom of that list, then you will probably be put on the next flight whether you want to be or not. Yeah, it almost sounded like there was something more clever that he was hinting at. Happened. Um, yeah, but I don't so, know what I it mean, it's a, it's a common, it, it, this happens all the time, mm -hmm. um, oversell situations. Yeah. Um, and it's not uncommon to hear a decent amount of either money or vouchers or things being offered. But why would Captain sure that everyone... Nick be the one that would know the answer to this? Does it have something to do with cricket? Is it? Does it have to do with international travel? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was a bowling team. A b oh, good point. Liz thinks it may have been a bowling, lawn bowling it was Captain, team. Captain Nick's lawn bowling team going yeah. to Singapore. Yeah. It's just High why priority it's, passengers. It's, it's known that 23 is the magic number of a full, exactly. fully staffed <laughs> lawn bowling coaches team. And and coaches and masses. And, yeah. Mess. yeah, trainers. <laughs> trainers. And, uh, yeah. Magic mushroom uh, Equipment, equipment hauler, like, you know, bag carriers. I don't know. I mean, I have no, I have no clue. I, I, I think it's what Steph thinks. It's probably just got oversold and uh, everybody showed it up. <laughs> it yep. does happen occasionally. It happens. Yep. Yeah. Guys, we got half an hour left. Half an hour left, the producer is telling us. Um, guess what? Can we go back to Larry's? Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I couldn't let it go, Liz. I couldn't I let it go. I knew you couldn't. Okay. Uh, so this feedback, for, th- thank you, Paul. I don't know if we helped at all. Probably not. And, uh, and you'll have to tell us about all those bird sounds. What's going on there? That was, uh, was that, that was in Singapore? I, well, you know that I, you could have, you could have convinced me that, yeah, maybe it was, maybe it was Singapore that he was doing that recording from. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, thanks a lot, Paul. Let us know. And uh, the feedback right before that is from uh, that we skipped because I couldn't figure out how I was going to do this. Uh, but I figured it out. Larry um, sent us some feedback and, and the title of his feedback is This Way to Tulsa. And uh, so, Liz, if you'll show the um, aviator's arrow, um, he sent this image in. Uh, created, and this is called Aviator's Arrow, uh, created in 1927 and sitting atop Reservoir Hill. These 50-foot-tall letters are made from tons of crushed marble. The arrow pointed in the direction of the city's original landing strip at McIntyre Airport. They were put in place as a beacon to the many pilots coming to Tulsa during the time Tulsa held the title, Air Capital of the World. Well, I thought it still did, according to uh, Nick Camacho. Um Charles Lindbergh, Amelia Earhart, uh, Wiley Post, Earl Halliburton are just a few of these pilots. Uh, Luckily, that giant white arrow and Tulsa, T-U-L-S-A, can still be seen from the sky today. The city of Tulsa recently refurbished Aviator's Arrow and moved it 300 feet to the east. It once again points to a landing strip, this one at the Tulsa International Airport. And so... You're so lucky if you're watching us here on video, you get to watch this. I'm going to add this to the stage. This is from uh, Google Maps, actually, not Google Earth. There, over here on the right-hand corner um, of, the, of the photo is uh, the Tulsa International Airport. And um, let me uh, zoom in. Oh, gosh, now I have to find the window. <laughs> here it is. Okay, so uh, we go out here to the west of the airport, and uh, we see Reservoir Hill, and we're going to keep on going, and we're going to keep on zooming in. Aviator's arrow is marked there. Look at this. There it is, Tulsa (laughs) Aviator's arrow. Wasn't that fun? That was was fun, but it does highlight how not large that – it looks – I mean, it's it's an impressive arrow. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, well – don't you say that to all the guys? <laughs> 16 inches. <laughs> wink, 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 wink. 50 feet. Um, but when you zoom out here, and I don't know like what altitude we're potentially at here, like if you could extrapolate that based on how far you've zoomed out. 16 inches. Wow. It's, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bigger than 16 inches, though. I can tell you that. Yeah. It's still not the easiest thing to see. But yeah. It so, shows you how navigation has evolved. Yeah, yeah so you, you go this changed. bird's eye view. I don't know what that what, this would be. Probably I don't know thirty thousand feet or so, maybe even higher. I don't know. It doesn't give me that uh, calibration in Google Maps, but uh, it's it's pretty high up. But still, I mean, you you, you can't see that arrow at all. So you, I mean, unless you knew exactly where to look for it, and so you just keep on mm-hmm. going. I mean, you can see this reservoir hill, this big mm-hmm. circular. But even there, road. I don't see it very well. No, not until you and get a little right bit there, more in there. In. Yeah. And now you can see it, 50 feet tall. I mean, that's, yeah. And you can see the low, the nearby houses and everything else. It's 
not huge, but uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, pretty I love cool. these kind of yeah. things. Yeah, you're gonna go looking for them, right? I'm gonna go. I'm definitely gonna go see that next time I'm out in Tulsa and uh, mm-hmm. being wined and dined by Sean and Karen and Larry. Anyway, lots of great folks there in Tulsa. Um, a lot of people that are big fans of the APG. I wonder if any of them um, have an RV pad for you. Um, I'm hoping that um, that Sean will 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 put in a uh, RV pad. I said, you know what? You better not do that because you're never going to see me leave. I'll be just living there. Michael uh, sent this one and says, in fact, he says, one for Steph being a jumper dumper mm. uh, from the Aviation Safety Network. Um, actually, did he initially? No, I think he initially sent us a link it was into uh, from an Australian, thing. It's an Australian article, uh, uh, website, amp.abc.net.au. A Victorian um, member of parliament, an MP who survived plane crash, says the pilot showed amazing skill. ABC News in Australia. Um, so um, let me read a little bit of this. Um, a plane carrying a group of skydivers was forced to make an emergency landing. Um, a Victorian MP who has survived a light plane crash near Geelong, along with 16 other people, says he has witnessed a miracle. Uh, let's see. Paul Edbrook, state labor MP for Frankston, was among a group of skydivers who departed Barwon Heads Airport shortly before 8 a.m. on Friday. After a minute after takeoff, the aircraft crash landed in a field at Leopold, southwest of Melbourne. Seven people were taken to a hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, while the remaining 10 were uninjured and returned to the airport. Mr. Edbrook, the MP, who was an avid skydiver, was intending to have a morning skydiving session before heading to work. But instead, he was injured and taken to hospital. Uh, speaking from a hospital bed and wearing a neck brace, he has told the ABC of his ordeal. Oh, the the ABC of his ordeal. I'm feeling extremely lucky, uh, Mr. Edbrook said. As a former emergency service worker, I know that when light planes go down, there's usually some pretty decent injuries and maybe fatalities. So for 17 people, including myself, to walk away from this one, we're lucky. And we had an amazing pilot. I got a couple of bruises and some scratches down my left side, and I've also got a fair dose of whiplash. Um, anyway, um, Mr. Edbrick praised the pilot who showed amazing skill in nose diving the plane so that it didn't crash into the water, but just made it in uh, made it onto land. I'm not sure that I would use the term nose diving the plane, but okay. Um, at first, you know, honestly, Steph, this was a uh, super. Um, a super van, a Cessna uh-huh. 208 super van. And I guess it's, um, it's a mod. Um, so it's the same type of caravans that we fly with okay. the Honeywell, uh, the TPE 331 engine oh, okay. conversion, the Garrett's. That's what makes it a super van. Ah, 900 uh, horsepower or something like yeah, that. It's like yeah, very yeah. powerful. So I was kind of surprised. A, 17 people. I'm thinking, well, that can't be right. It's you a, can it's fit a grand, 17 people so this in is there. a grand caravan <laughs> and you can absolutely fit 17 skydivers I checked it out. I looked it up and I went, holy cow, you can. You can put 17 oh, yeah. people in these darn oh, yeah. things. That's, that um, seems depending like Depending on the seating configuration, the way the seats are set up in some grand caravans, you can put more than that too. It just depends on how the weight and balance is set up. Wow. Um, in our standard caravan, we can we can seat 15. So, And that's a shorter version of the aircraft. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, by all accounts, everything here went as well as it can in a, in a bad situation. Um, 
you know, as I haul boxes says, it looks like those 900 horses ran off in this picture. Um, <laughs> they got out of there, bumped, they yeah. bumped the nose on the way out, yeah. apparently. So somewhere <laughs> near Melbourne, so close to the coast. So yeah, there's probably definitely um, near the ocean and, and water to con- consider. Um, you know, it sounds like a minute and a half into the flight, that's, you're not going to have a lot of altitude or time to work with. Um, presuming they were already potentially far enough away that a return to the actual airport was not an option or they didn't have enough altitude to do that. Um, so they may have just been dealing with a, you know, look straight ahead a little uh, to the right, a little to the left and and pick your best option. And there was this large field. Um, it looks like it's hard for me to tell what's growing in that field, but the, the grass or the shrubbery looks rather tall. And I get the impression that maybe the ground is very soft. Mm. It looks like things kind of sank in there and that's Definitely why there was helped. as much damage. Well, you know, it didn't just roll out smoothly, it seems like. Oh, I see. Because uh, there's quite a Could bit of... Uh, better if it were harder land. If it were a firm surface with not a lot of tall um, plants or shrubs yeah. or things, maybe it would have says it was uh, a 600. They think that preliminary data shows it was a 600 feet um, when it lost uh, Yeah, power. that's pretty low. You're yeah, not going to return know. to the airport. No, nope. no, no. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't get that far in the, uh, the article. Um, uh, actually, it was in the... Yeah. Uh, Aviation safety. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I'm has sorry. a little bit yeah, more aviation related. More stuff detail, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, I agree with the uh, the MP. The pilot did a good job um, uh, landing the aircraft as safely as could be accomplished with the situation that he was faced with. He or she was faced with, and you know, seventeen people um, can tell the story of it. Yeah, and the pilot. I mean, that, so, that's amazing. Non-life-threatening no injuries and no yeah. fatalities and, and 10 people just went back to the airport. Yeah. So presumably such minor injuries that they didn't even need medical attention. That's amazing. You know, um, we keep uh, seatbelts on um, for our operating procedures up to 1,500 feet. So, um, and if there's any issue at all with the aircraft, you're, uh, you're going to land with the aircraft seatbelts go back on, obviously, for landing. So there and, are seatbelts in the back. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, See, it's still okay. so at least um, FAA regulations were required to wear seatbelts for taxi takeoff landing. That doesn't change just for skydiving operations. Um, typically, above fifteen hundred feet, though, we'll take seatbelts off because a lot of times we will open the door if it's a nice day, um, and you don't want to actually be tethered inside the aircraft if the door is open. Um, there are scenarios where if someone has fabric come out of their container, their rig, um, that person needs to leave the airplane like immediately. Um, and there are other situations where if there was an emergency that happened much higher, um, you potentially would want the jumpers to exit the aircraft. Um, even if they're going to have an off airport landing, it might be a safer uh, situation. So, but at 600 feet, everyone would have had their seatbelt on. Um, everyone should have had their helmets on, um, if they have helmets. Um, most people do jump with, with helmets and some of them now are more impact rated helmets as well. So, um, so that certainly would have helped in their survival. Potentially or survivability, help. I guess. Yeah. So. Huh. Yeah. Well, happy. Good, well, good out- mostly good happy. outcome for a for a <laughs> you know a bad situation. But, right. Yeah. Right. Very cool. All right. Thank you, Michael, for uh, sending that in, and uh, we're going to end uh, this episode with this feedback from Anthony. Uh, hello, APG crew. I was picking up my two-year-old from daycare the other day. As we got in the car, APG 589 started playing automatically, and Jeff was telling us about the time he almost commanded an ejection in IMC. My daughter, who is obsessed with planes currently but hasn't quite caught the APG syndrome yet, 
interrupted Jeff's story with a no-no daddy's friends and asked for her favorite classic bus, better known as the wheels on the bus. No so I had friends. to, <laughs> uh, so, you know, and the, and the funny thing is that his daughter is like 17 years old. It's interesting that she's talking <laughs> like this. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, so I had to pick up the rest of 589 the next morning on the way to my uh, second to last week of work, which brings me to the real reason I'm writing in. I just wanted to thank you all for keeping me motivated and entertained as I worked on accomplishing my dream. And uh, I'm happy to say I'm on my way to the ATP-CTP course in the beginning of November then off to airline in dock at what I think you would call Ajax Jr. I can't wait to share in the view from your side of the cockpit door and look forward to Jeff and crew's advent, continued adventures in aviation, RVing, and wherever life takes all of you. Thanks again. Anthony, the former CFI in Raleigh-Durham, RDU. Yay! Awesome! Congrats, Anthony. That is so cool to hear. It really is. Um, I'm glad that we didn't, um, you know, somehow, you. you know, deter you from <laughs> these people. I think they and go crazy when they. <laughs> we're going to win your daughter over eventually. I just want to say, yeah. yeah, just keep having her listen. No, no, daddy's friends. No, 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 no daddy's friends. <laughs> I'm oh, glad that okay. she thinks of us as your friends. That yeah, makes me and I'm happy glad too. that yeah, I, and that that's a good thing. You do too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, wheels. You know what? I don't blame her. I, I think I'd rather listen to the wheels on the bus as well, uh, rather than the APG. The wheels fall <laughs> so, off our bus here a lot. <laughs> yeah, the wheels falling <laughs> off this bus, <laughs> and the darn wheels did fall off the bus today. I don't know. I it was not a good day for Captain Jeff here today. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was very un HR like in my ability to keep this on the uh, the, the <laughs> wheels on Jeff the bus. Made a lot of work for himself I was, editing. I was uh, I was tired too. Honestly, I have no excuse because I had there was uh, several days I had between the day I got the last show published to today, and I just took I guess way too much time of off and didn't do enough prep. <laughs> a lot of procrastination. I am one of the best no, at it uh, in the never. world. And yeah. uh, so I do apologize. I mean, I owe you people listening to this so much more. So please, please, you know, um, take my apology. And um, and I'll hopefully uh, no, I'll do won't. better uh, next time. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> <A> <laughs> vote, great, of, vote of no great, confidence from Liz. <laughs> vote of no confidence. He has all great right. intentions. Hey, yeah. it's all part of the charm of the show. Exactly. That's especially right. The li- especially ourselves. the live recordings. That's definitely what so I if you really ourselves. want to treat yourself, if you've got several hours with nothing to do, you should come see how this happens sometimes really on should. the live audience. Yeah, how the sausage is made. And trust me, it's not it's pretty. messy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. It is fun. At least for us. I don't know yeah, if you're listening it. to it. It's not that much fun, but it's kind of like, it's a, you know. It's a combination of amusement wa- and pity, I think. Like watching a car accident or a train wreck. It's <laughs> yeah, just you like. You can't look away. You, you can't look away. And it's not really that much fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's point them to the website. Okay. Airlinepilotguy.com is our website. There you'll find all kinds of info about the, the crew and the community and merchandise and 
got a calendar there and we have uh, information. We got a library of all things. Uh, our librarian, Tiffany, kind of manages that. We have more information about QR the plane tails, merchandise, all, all kinds of stuff. And we also, well, you don't have to go to the website to get the QR code. You can just point your uh, phone at it right now. Um, you should see it on your screen. Uh, feedback at airlinepilotguy.com is where it takes you. And uh, send us some feedback. We're always uh, interested in hearing about what's going on with you. And, uh, yeah, uh, getting to know you. It's all about, uh, it's, it's a two-way street here. And so uh, there you go. There's the website. And we're also on social media. We Steph. sure are. Yes. You can head over to facebook.com slash airlinepilotguide to join the community there. We're also on Twixter X, as it's known now. We are at APG Crew and find our individual Twitter handles or X handles or whatever they're called now. Who knows, really? I'm not sure. Sandals? Sandals. 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 I've, got, I've got sandals on You got right sandals now. on? Sand- I do, actually. <laughs> Some flippity floppies. Hey, what's your uh, sandal? They're pinned to the top of the page as well. You can contact us individually there. And on Instagram, check out Captain Nick's weekly uh, show art. He does a fantastic job. If you really have a lot of time, you can search for the show number in the pictures, which I can never find. But that's a challenge for you. And we're APG Crew on Instagram as well. And one last thing, because I know Hillel has been waiting patiently like for he hours has. now. He had to And he would like the, to tell you about Slack. Yeah, he had to leave the bathroom uh, earlier when I had to take my little break. And oh, here we go. I, I hear the water again. Hey, hello. 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 Can you tell us, tell us about Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Come on over here and tell everybody about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thanks, Hillel. <laughs> what is he doing? What are, he's shaving his legs. <laughs> are you shaving your legs? Manscaping happening. Man's yes, some pretty massive manscaping. <laughs> I'm oh yeah, I'm impressed. Get back in there. Get out of the way. Because he took right. his towel off. Yeah. My goodness, wasn't expecting that. <sighs> Got my heart run uh, racing. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so check it out, uh, Slack and, uh, what else? Uh, thank you so much, uh, to our producer, Liz, and I got to find our applause uh, right there. Gotta, oh, come on people. More applause, more applause. There we go. I mean, this woman, she does so much behind the scenes. You would she not believe nothing it. nothing else in her life. Yeah. Well, apparently you must not because you spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> Um, and uh, and we, we appreciate you, you and we we love oh, everything thanks. that you do. Thanks, so, guys, I mean, my pleasure. And I Always really do mean it. Um, and uh, we also want to thank our crazy people that are uh, what we all uh, like to call our live audience, our uh, chat room folks. Uh, thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, 
for uh, being there for us and providing entertainment and sometimes even some education. Not usually. Um, corrections. They provide corrections. Oh, corrections. Don't overpromise, over Jeff. Don't overpromise. <laughs> okay. I will not overpromise. And um, what else? Uh, no, I guess we're going to hopefully be back again here next week. Have, maybe have more on the crew with us next week. And, um, yeah, put together some kind of a show, and I promise I'll do a better job of, of uh, preparing for it next week. You've got a week. i got a week. I know. I have to think about Pull it. Pull yourself together, Jeff. You've I'll, got, I'll it sounds like, five masses to sing at and some beer to consume. But other than that, you've got a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. That's good advice. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to just <laughs> sign off by saying, what did I do? Did I say something ridiculous? Or what? <laughs> no. Uh, just, okay. It's fine. It's, it's, it I don't know great. what I'm saying. <laughs> You're doing just fine, Jeff. Just keep carry just, on. Just, just keep, carry on. Keep going. Come this. on. Keep flying. <laughs> keep flying straight and level there. That's <laughs> right. Hey, I'm wishing you all clear skies and limited visibility and tailwinds. Talons Douglas. Cheers, y'all. See you next time. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats airline pilot guy I fly America oh airline pilot guy he can't land in heavy no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly 